0: The Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top five resumes in MMA with guest co-host Jordan Killian. We're dusting off the history books and going deep, ladies and gentlemen. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches
1: thinking how things used to dark night It's a dark night, dark night.
0: up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i am your host dan tom analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on mma junkie radio but on this year program the protect your neck podcast we usually break down high level mma and we'll probably do a little bit of that but we're getting back to some of our roots that's right the top five episodes paying homage to our sport it goes fast there's a lot that happens it's important to reflect and today we are doing top five resumes in MMA. And to help me is a returning guest, not just a returning guest, a returning guest co-host, uh, one of the, the guest co-hosts and host with the most. Uh, he has his podcast, which he'll tell you all about as well. That's right. Jordan Killian is back at MMA on Twitter. What is up, my dude?
1: Dan Tom, I am pumped to be back with you, my man. And uh, it's a fun, fun topic to go over. And uh, overall, just ready to ready to shoot the shit, man.
0: Yeah, uh in case you know long-time uh listeners or people just following either of us know we, me and Jordan uh we love podcasting ourselves together. So it's it's nice to to do it. It it feels like even just, you know, uh whatever it was 4 months feels like a a, a year ago. So it's it's yeah. good to have you back, man. Thank you.
1: Oh, no. Thanks for having me. I always look forward to it whenever you reach out. I'm like uh you name the time and I'm absolutely ready. I Always make time for you, buddy. Well, uh when when
0: you can't come on the show, I, I at least can, you know, hear you with uh, UFC middleweight uh, smiling
1: Sam Alvey. Uh, how you guys doing over there, man? It's going good, man. We had a bit of a hiatus after Sam fought. He did like a, a huge tour overseas in the Middle East, uh, kind of like uh, visiting uh, military folks and the troops and some some different bases across the, like four or five different countries. So we had like almost a whole month where we didn't record just because our times wouldn't sync up. He was on the other side of the world. So uh, but it's good, man. We're back back to it. Sam's getting ready to go into, uh, back into training full time. I don't, I don't think he's got uh, a fight lined up or anything yet, but you can check us out, the Pound for Pound podcast podcasts uh, anywhere you're listening to podcasts itunes google play all that good stuff you can find it there p for p podcast uh my name sam's name it's a good time
0: badass man badass yeah uh we've had sam on the program too so uh we're, we're definitely a uh, smiling sam fans over here you know
1: yeah he just sent me a text i told him i was doing the show and he said damn it why didn't you let me know i guess he would have cleared <laughs> a schedule for us but that's all right next time he'll cop on
0: Hey man, it's it, it, it's, all good. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. It's always hard for us guys to sync up, right? It's a little harder yeah. for us uh, us two than the. Uh, oh, yep. Dan's coming out swinging. Sorry guys, sorry <laughs> for the <that> dis, distasteful <laughs> joke there. Wow, period humor in the Patekinek podcast. What a start! <laughs> this is top five resumes. Just to remind you, uh, before we get to that, we will be doing a uh, a little quick Winnipeg recap. I actually have someone to bounce off of here, which is nice um but before that i i just kind of wanted to hit something off the top uh with you know we usually don't get too topical on this show with you know uh, current events and whatnot and and there's a lot of you know uh, great shows covering it but there are certain things that even even dan tom has to stop and and bring attention to especially when it hits hits home hits my backyard hits hits my heart even uh not to to play the violin or anything but um you know as you know um mma trainer uh you know, famed coach Robert Wallace passed away over the weekend, was confirmed, um, on Sunday and I woke up, uh, you know, it's the worst way to wake up. I mean, nothing you want to complain about waking up you when you lose a friend, but, uh, essentially just woke up to a bunch of uh, messages. Thank you very much. People reaching out texts. And, uh, so immediately I reached out and, and confirmed and, and yeah, it, you know, and, and we're seeing the coroner uh, corner reports and whatnot, but, uh, Jordan, did you catch wind of? I mean, obviously you caught wind of this 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 whole this whole thing basketball days.
1: Yeah, man, it's a uh, it's a sad situation. I did I didn't know Robert myself personally, um, but you know I know I, I know who he is. I know people who have trained with him and under him, and I know what kind of impact he had on the sport. So, uh, you know, it's an obviously an unfortunate situation, uh, and I and I uh you know sincerely send condolences to all his friends and family but uh yeah it's an unfortunate situation in and mma the mma world lost uh, a, a true uh a guiding light in the in the sport
0: yeah 100 um you know i i don't know I, i'm not going to obviously get into everything uh especially right now uh you know uh just kind of getting into what i what i am comfortable in but but it is it is tough and, and for those who don't know uh not just what Jordan said, which is true, but, uh, you know, I myself have a relationship with with, uh, with, with Robert. Uh, you know, uh, I posted a picture uh, on Twitter. Um, by the way, again, I'm just one of many people, again, affected by it, but, but still, it doesn't mean it's not appreciated, those of you reaching out to me. That, that really meant a lot on a day that was kind of tough to get through yesterday, but uh, that post, though, I, I attached it a really cool picture. Shout out to at Rich Castro Photo. A lot of the pictures you're seeing about Robert is floating around, if they are an extreme, extreme couture or a high quality photo, they were taken by Rich. Um, you know, a lot of gyms have their own photographers. Rich has been doing it for quite some time at extreme couture. Uh, but, uh, there was one where the one I posted, Robert's essentially kneeling and there's a bunch of us Kind of all kneeling like students, like a real epic, like how you would want you know the really stoicism you would imagine a coach holding, uh, you know uh, the 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 epic you know kind of thing that's existed through nature, the the king lion, the alpha lion, and the rest of the lions in the pack below him, right? It was very much of that imagery, uh, which is I think is a just awesome uh, to to have, especially yeah. for your coach. Like that's that's kind of the the stoic image you have in your head. Great. Right. But uh, but but yeah, man. He he would come through, and that picture was taken probably 2011. Because before he he officially moved over to Extreme Couture um, through Dennis Davis, the head coach position. Of course, Randy. Because uh, Robert Falls was a part of the original team quest team. Right. Which we may, you know, may be talking about later. Uh that that, happened, that went down to the Pacific Northwest and he we were lucky enough to have him come through and run some of the amateur team practices uh when I was still when old Dan Tom was still active. And that fact in that picture you'll see a Dan Tom that weighs about fifty pounds less.
1: Uh it's like where's Waldo? Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> That was that was one cheeseburger Dan. Now we know two cheeseburger Dan. Two cheeseburger Dan without the workout.
0: Uh there you go. so It's it's, it's, it's like four cheeseburgers when we do the math. Let's be be honest, Jordan. (laughs) But, uh, but, uh, but yeah. And, um, when he came over, it was kind of funny. Uh, this is kind of a little little background because, you know, again, um, you know, probably not, you know, probably not getting, getting, you'll probably get more of these stories as it goes on, but there's not a lot of these stories out right now. And, uh, it's just good to know the guy's character. So this is just a little bit for a glimpse on that. But, um, my coach that I was talking about, Neil Melanson, and he actually left for Alliance MMA. He's now he's now in South Florida. But at the time, he was with Extreme Couture. I came up under him, yada yada. Uh, he was kind of in his transition out, and and Follis was coming in, and there was a little bit of contention there. You know, you're getting a new teacher. You know, there there's some there's clicks like any other school or any other gym, right? And and I was one of Neil's guys, and and I always thought maybe that's why Follis was a little nice to me. But this guy, he was nice to everybody. And but yeah, especially felt like he was almost going. You know, maybe because I'm weird and wired, funny Jordan, but. I was like, is this guy going out of his way to be like nice to me? He sounds like Tony Robbins. He's almost acting like him because he's coming out of your way to shake your hand. Yeah. But uh, but but no, man. He 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 vouched for me. In fact, the reason why I was able to work with pros like uh, Misha or Brian was because he vouched for me. Like, no, Dan's a good partner to get work in. You'll get a good technical role. Trust me. You know, because one, I'm I'm not an imposing looking guy. I don't look like I can offer shit, which I. Hey, I get it. And then two, more importantly, when you get injured, it's not from pros and most pros know right. this. It's from working with randoms. So yep. pros are, they're not, it's not that the pros are scared, but they are very selective uh, who they sure. w- roll with because everybody, I'm sure Sam talks to you about this, right? Everybody wants yeah. to submit Sam Alvey, right? right? Like, oh, Sam goes in around, I mean, thankfully Sam works around some good, good cats and whatnot. But I mean, if you go right. and travel anyways, but, um, but yeah, man, he, uh, he, you know, he, he really took me under, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a, under his wing, and to to quote a movie reference, I'm sure you'll appreciate this, Jordan. Uh, Platoon. I almost felt like Charlie Sheen. You know, like uh, Fallis was like Elias, and and Melanson right. was more like Barnes, like take the brain. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then Fallis was more like the philosophical dude, like, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, and it was it was just this, but I, I, and and you know, it wasn't a, a big you know a feud or anything by any means. It, it was very civil, by the way, but. It was two quite different personalities who I owe a lot to, and to kind of cap off the story, Jordan, and I kind of alluded into this tweet is that um, I don't even know if it was the concussion injuries. I think, I believe it or not, I, I had two. You were going to make fun of me for this. I had two fractured thumbs at, at the time. Uh, yeah, I know. And I had these two, like, fucking weird-looking thumb casts. So I'm in the part of Extreme Couture that's just, like, a strength and conditioning part. Like, I'm just doing squats. I'm doing essentially whatever I can with my, like, retarded thumbs, right? And these retarded casts I'm wearing. <laughs> and Paulus comes up to me. Instead of, like, making fun of me like he ought to, like, this is this goofy shit? What's he doing? This, uh, awkward squats. And he's like, how you doing, man? Like, at, you know, he's like, yeah, I know it's, it could be hard being off the mat. And I was like, "Yeah, well, I've been I've been doing this new thing. I've been taking notes on fights. I've been writing guys' risk management and tendencies down." He's like, "Keep doing that. Trust me, it's gonna make you a better martial artist, and that could actually benefit somewhere. You know, you're a smart kid. You got things to offer." And and him and Neil both had their own versions of that with me. But I remember when I was really injured and really depressed, him coming up to me meant the world. And. Um, it was this last time we, and only recently I've been working on MMA Junkie, and, and before his fight with uh, Kevin Lee for the title against Tony Ferguson, we had him in studio, and we did our interviews, and afterwards, and I don't know, you know, I'm sure we all can relate to this from a father-son, a teacher-pupil, we want that approval, I think, no matter how we're wired,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: and even though Follis is a p- positive guy, you, you you want that, there's always that crucial moment of approval you have with a coach, and after... I've barely been in the gym, I'm all out of shape now doing the fucking media thing, we're on different sides of the fence now, but he comes up to me after and goes, hey man, just to let you know, you make me so damn proud with your work, and I read every article and I can tell you're doing the homework, and it's really refreshing, and it just was just ridiculous just because this guy is, 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 again, has been around since the Team Quest days, he's coached multiple champions, more than, more than okay with being on this list we're about to do but i wanted to just talk about him off the top of the show um and kind of pay homage to the man and his resume uh for people who don't know and and um it's sad that i'm doing it in light of such such sad news but uh but yeah i, I just wanted to do that
1: yeah man that's uh, i i think well said that's uh that's a that's a great story and uh just one more thing you know anyone <clears throat> anyone listening who 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 depression's a real thing man And it's it's Dan's been pretty open about talking about his experience with it. I've had my own experience with it. uh, family members with experience with it. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid to reach out. There's always somebody there. There's always going to be somebody in your life that uh, that's that's open to listening to you. So, uh, you know, if if there's anything that can come from this, hopefully it's just the story that, uh, you know, there's 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 someone reach out if you need to reach out. Ask for help. It's not uh, you know, it's not emasculating to ask for help. Depression is a real thing. Uh, and uh, and there's always somebody there for you. So
0: yeah, and thank you for bringing that up, Jordan. And just to kind of capstone that, and on the other side of that, on the other side of that, be sure you're listening to people too, and not just listening when somebody asks you yeah. to, even when they don't. Just make sure. It, sure. It, it's always healthy to listen in life. Like, uh, it, it, it you know, it wasn't until I did acting school until I realized how much we don't listen because a lot of whether it's Stanislavski method or these old methods of acting will tell you just listen. You want the best actors' advice? Right. Listen. And, and it's because we don't often exercise those muscles. There's so much that we don't understand that's there, that, that is there. And I will say that, you know, you don't want to be somebody, the worst feeling aside from whatever feeling someone must feel to take their own life. But what I imagine is a worse feeling is, is, is feeling like there's something you could have done. Sure. And I'll be honest, you know, I, I had. I've been in correspondence as early as this, just this week with Wallace through 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 messenger. You know, just a couple messages below yours and booking this podcast was a conversation I was having with him, Jordan, and I could. Tell he was going through a tough time. Obviously, you know it's a transitionary phase. Anytime you're transitioning between jobs, anybody listening to this has transitioned between a job, right? We all can relate to that. It's an uncertain time. It's an unfeeling time. Holidays aren't the easiest. You know, he 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 did have a brother that passed away in a similar method by taking his own life. I mean, holidays can be tough time, tougher times for people. And I've always been one to say that, and try to give give shouts to those people. But there's a lot of people I know close to this situation that are. Wishing they could have done more, and and that's not the right approach. I'm not saying it, but what I am saying is, like what Jordan said, you take take all you can do is take take lessons from these kind of situations. And I hate using the uh, word awareness, but let that fuel you to you know open your ears up and open your hearts up to to your to your friends and family. You know,
1: yeah,
0: but uh, absolutely, but but yeah, all right. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. I didn't. Uh, hopefully that doesn't. Uh, hopefully that that provides insight rather than. Kind of taints your mood, and we'll we'll bring up the mood. We're gonna we're gonna talk some MMA, which gets us all happy. We're gonna start with recapping UFC Winnipeg, oh. UFC Fox on twenty six, which happened in Winnipeg, Canada. The main event was Rafael dos Anjos and Robbie Lawler. Jo- Jordan, should we should we start there? Yeah, man it it was uh it was an impressive damn performance. It, it was. Um, you know uh what what did you think uh going in you know I don't know if you had a pick or not not that that matters, but but what was your what was your opinion heading into the fight, and what did you take
1: um watching it and and leaving it? So you know what? I, I picked Dos Anjos going in. I did not think it was going to be that one-sided, though. I thought, I, I thought if anything, it was just going to be the fact that I think Dos Anjos is the more well-rounded guy in that scenario. And I thought if it needed to go to the ground, Dos Anjos would have an advantage. Um, so, so I expected Dos Anjos to win. I thought it would be a decision, but I did not think he was going to go out and just basically bell the bell beat the tar out of Robbie Lawler, just kind of bully him. Uh, so I was really impressed by Dos Anjos, and I, I'm constantly impressed by how strong he is at 70, uh, considering he spent most of his career at 55.
0: Yeah, it, it, I mean, I'm with you. I picked Dos Anjos, and I even picked him by decision. And I, I'm a Robbie Lawler fan, and I came in leaning toward Lawler. So I was surprised that I a picked Dos Anjos, and I was surprised that I b picked this fight to go to decision. But essentially, my 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 thought was was that what. Well, a, I mean I, I didn't think he was gonna dominate him bell to bell, but my thought was that he, if he could survive those dicey rounds against Lawler, uh yeah. showed to survive his power, that his pace, his building pace, yep. will beat the guy that has to take breaks. Yep. Um and uh and and yeah, and that kind of all came to fruition and, and I think that the first two and a half rounds was the most impressive because on paper I think that's where no matter Exactly. Who, yeah, no matter who you sided with, that's where the turbulent waters was gonna be, right? In the early rounds. But then, as you know, um, somewhere between rounds two and three—forgive me—I I probably should know it offhand. But right around the middle of the fight, I believe Dos Anjos gets his second takedown uh, after his, uh, you know, uh, multiple attempts, and Robbie Lawler's leg kind of folds funny. And it, ironically, was not the leg that was bruised up and was being targeted. Uh, am yeah. I am I wrong there, Jordan? Or is that? No, you're right. You, no, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess essentially what I'm leading in there is—is—is is, is, uh, you know, none of us ever want to take anything away, but of course. There is going to be that talk, whether it's Twitter or elsewhere, uh, how much do we really value the win of Rafael Dos Anjos here now? I guess I, for one, don't really feel it takes away too much because of what we saw in the early rounds, but what's your exactly. what's your opinion on that, Jordan?
1: No, I, f- I feel the same way, man. Yeah, it might have slowed Robbie down a little bit, but it, it's not like he was winning the fight before that happened. Uh, RDA had had already shown that his his diversity and his pace was really putting him ahead on the scorecards, and, and uh, like you said, it might have slowed Robbie down a little bit, but I... I it's one thing if he goes out there and wins the first two rounds and then gets hurt and loses the last three, but he, you know, Dos Andres had already been beating him up in the first and second rounds, so so I, I don't think it really has much to do with it, But and, and to to Robbie's credit, he didn't say anything about it. So,
0: Yeah, 100%, and even just uh, dealing as well as he did with Robbie and striking, and even in the grappling up to that sense, was was impressive enough. Just yeah. the fact he's able to hang on the clinch, because the clinch is a place where, Lawler's very dangerous, and and obviously he was the bigger guy too. So I think that answered a lot of questions. Uh, I think not only the caliber of opponent in those certain stanzas, the fact that Dos Anjos could go the 25 minutes at a, a, yeah. a, a keeping a solid pace, I think that's, that spoke a lot. So I guess my question is now, going forward, who, who do, you, do you think they match him against? Do you think he's the number one contender, Jordan? And if so, how do you think he does against Woodley?
1: Seventies, exciting man. Because there's, there's so many. It's it's a deep division uh, as far as like uh, the the top of the, uh, towards the top of the division. It's deep, man. One through six or seven are all really really damn good. Uh, so I, I don't know if you put them in there initially with with Woodley, but uh, I I can see a case being made for that. There are a lot of interesting fights. I'd like to see him fight Masvidal. I'd like to see him fight Wonderboy Thompson. I'd like to see him fight Woodley. I think if he does fight Woodley, um, I mean, then again, you're going pace versus power and and, and wrestling. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. Dos Anjos has some wins over wrestlers, but he's also – look at the the Tony Ferguson fight where Tony's not – strictly a wrestler but he's got a wrestling background and uh you know he kind of controlled how that fight went against dos anjos so uh i don't know man it'll be interesting i think if if you were to match them up today and made ask me to pick i'd probably take woodley
0: yeah yeah it's i i got to imagine the odds would have to slightly favor woodley and for me it would be one of those dynamics again you know how does he how does he take the power but you know, you got to imagine that obviously Woodley's wrestling is way better than Robbie's. His takedown defense yeah. is way better. So then it yeah. does become that, that, that standoff. And, and it's one of those things you can criticize Woodley for, 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 for boring fights, but you have to be careful. Like, uh, you, know, in like uh, you know, to use Eddie Alvarez for an example, you bring the dog out in certain fighters, they remind you who they are. And I think Woodley's yeah. that case because I don't think anybody, even his detractors, can deny that the man has the tools.
1: No, not at all. Not so, at
0: all. So, uh, but yeah, I actually would think that maybe, uh, and this is unpopular. I I, I like Usman, but, uh, you know, and I want him to get, you know, matchups that are going to get him there. And I think this kind of fits it, but I guess Usman would have to get past Meek. But I, I guess what I'm saying is I could see Usman and Dos Anjos going at it for a number one contendership or something. And that would be an It'd interesting, be
1: interesting matchup. If, hey, I'll tell you this. If Usman and Woodley wind up fighting for the belt, that might be, that has the potential to be the most boring title fight in UFC history.
0: Uh, take a shot every time the commenter says "explosive." Yeah, yeah. yeah just tra- well, uh, ask, trash by the first round.
1: <laughs> yeah, just, just trash. Or every time that a uh, uh, that 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 a grappling exchange in the clinch winds up just being a stalemate and them getting broken up by the ref.
0: No, uh, how about just how about you really you'll be, you'll be trashed by the walkouts if you just take a shot every oh, time God. Rogan talks about their muscles.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. He's absolutely shredded. This is a physical specimen. Yeah, both these just just giant, black, beautiful <laughs> yes. men. Look at just his Rogan's John. Look yeah. at his thighs. <laughs> Rogan's just eyes are the size of his head,
0: just enormous. He's drooling. I, I think it was during a Will Brooks fight. I was like, thank God Rogan's not on this call because like three minutes of every round would be just talking dedicated to Will Brooks' oh, thighs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, the, one of the one of the best things that ever happened was that Czech Congo got released from the UFC. Yes, yes.
0: Oh my- Jordan <laughs> what Jordan is referencing. Is that like you know those wide-eyed Rogan memes at weigh-ins that I think got started with the Años for his cane too, where they superimpose his head. You want to see Rogan's eyes wide, ladies and gentlemen? Just go watch him at a Czech Congo weigh-in. Like he would just
1: would lose it. Like one of my (laughs) one of my favorite Rogan quotes of all time is that he said, "If looks won fights, Czech Congo would be undefeated." Yeah, (laughs) he's like he'd never. If you go, if the guy who looked better won, Czech Congo would never lose. Uh, which is why,
0: like, I, I, part of the reason, I'm not going to lie, part of the reason why I love Francis Ningano is because we get that Rogan back now, like, full Oh, course, absolutely.
1: Like, absolutely. He was... I loved watching Chet Congo's fights, because Rogan was like, he looks like a superhero, Mike! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more. His
0: commentating was way more exciting than a Congo fight, that's for sure. Oh,
1: oh yeah, absolutely. And then he started <laughs> kneeing people
0: in the balls, and it was fun. Uh, good times. The good old days. But, uh, <laughs> back, back to you see, on Fox 26. We had, a. Uh, n- more devastating than in neon balls, I dare say it was the left hook that Josh Emmett landed on Ricardo Lamas.
1: Um, I got to imagine you had Lamas like I did the old shy town boy going in. I did, yeah. I, I had Lamas, but you know what? I thought Emmett was a live dog, man. He, th- I, I knew he threw hard and fast. Just watching his fights, he's a pretty technical guy. I didn't know how much power he actually had, um, but I knew that, man. Uh, just in watching Emmett's last few fights, he swings. He swings hard, and he's got really quick hands, and uh, he landed. Uh, I expected Lamas to not really, uh, uh, I guess, stick his head around in the pocket as much as he did, and it, you know, wound up, wound up costing him after a, a sloppy, sloppy defense. On a kick that he threw, you know. So, but it, credit to Emmett, he he landed a bomb, man.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, my pick was Lamas too, and uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to say I, I, I don't know if I gave him as mu- Emmett as much credit as others for being a live dog, but I will say that. This was the first time I didn't do a recommended parlay piece. and because One, I'm trying to be a little more tighter on those if I don't... It's just it's so hard to with the way some of these cards are stacked because of the low talent. Not for this one. This one was hard because they just stacked it with gunfights, and I'm not complaining. But with yeah. gunfights means kind of crazy results like this. Yeah. So I, too, uh, stayed away from Llamas because Llamas was kind of the obvious pick as far as you're looking for chalk on the card... Who's most mm-hmm. likely to be hit? Who has the most uh, solid sample size you can gauge off of, yada yada. All the check marks on paper were really on Llamas' side. And I've been one to underrate Lamas, too. So maybe there was a little bit of that going into it. Sure. But either way, I just didn't, I almost didn't trust my pick of Llamas in this one. So I stayed away from it. Unfortunately, not personally, because uh, I, I, I was good all the way up until the weigh ins. And then I saw Emmett at the weigh ins. And I already know, like, this, I'm aware of this new trend Where guys missing weight Not only are they not losing Like the before they're, they're, they're winning more often than not Yeah But Emmett looked different Like he looked like Rich Franklin weighing in To face uh, Kung Lee He looked like He looked rough James Irvin making that Middleweight uh, cut Like he looked like an alien He didn't look like himself he
1: looked like Skeletor Yeah
0: And that was like That almost As terrible as it is to say That is what Saltman came down Like this is way beyond He actually I'm like this guy actually tried even though he yeah. came in before, like I think like twenty or so minutes or forty or so minutes before the deadline, but and I'm not hating on him by the way for that. He's already addressed and apologized and all that. I'm.
1: Oh, uh, it was short notice too. Yeah, so. yeah, short yeah, notice.
0: Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to harp on that by any means, right. but, but I did pull the trigger, and, and I'm not gonna lie. All my parlays, I usually will layer three different parlays, and that, that and I'll leave it at that. And uh, all of them, all, all three different ones hit with, with that leg. But nonetheless, though, man. She. Yeah, but you know what? You know what? I, I you got to give credit to Emmett, even with the yep. with the weight miss. He he's a got, guy you got to take serious coming forward. That you want to talk about power translating a division? I mean, it's pretty much the and the proof's in the pudding.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, he was. I mean, he was swinging, man. And if you go back and watch his last few fights, there, there's a few close calls where you're like, damn, if he would have landed that, he could have put that dude out. He swings hard and he's a fun guy to watch so yeah that's I, I'm interested in watching Emmett going forward yeah. but man I, I'm also disappointed that was such lazy basic defense by Lamas and I mean I know yeah. you get caught up in a fight sometimes but man his right hand was by his hip when he threw that kick and that's you can't do that in the pocket against a guy like that
0: <laughs> yeah 100 percent. that's true that's a real good technical note before we move on to the matchup uh, let me just ask you one more thing on that note I was talking to uh, my co-host on junkie radio goes and he, he was saying this too and again you know we're not the types to, to throw this out lightly. You never want to take a credit from an opponent. But Loms did not seem comfortable out there. Something looked off. And he, he seemed I – I say that because he looked uncomfortable doing the things that he's normally comfortable doing, which is skirting the outside and finding his rhythm early in the fight. He's the king of that. And, That's a good point. I,
1: I did notice his gait was a little weird a couple of times. Like he almost slipped a couple times yes. trying to throw. And yeah, it was it – was, it did look weird. I don't know if the – yeah, if he had something wrong with his foot or he, or the canvas was slick or he just couldn't get in rhythm, I don't know what it was. But I agree with that. OK. All right. Well, moving on to the next fight, I
0: guess. Uh, I, I, had, I, I don't know how you, you had going in. Either side is more than defensible. Neither guy's stock loses in this. But we had Mike Perry defeat uh, – or we had Ponzinibbio defeat Mike Perry by decision. I, I actually did have Ponzinibbio by decision, which I felt kind of crazy about even just picking a decision going into this fight. Um, and I guess a lot of people were were, were, were betting and on that it wasn't uh, going to go to decision. But essentially, my thought, just the dynamic of the fight and, and the pick, uh, both pair, both Ponzinibbio and Ibeon by decision, was that Ponzanibio we get two guys. We get a, a stick-and-move stylist, or we get the guy who's kind of a little too reckless and gets hit due to his high-volume style. Mm-hmm. And everybody was pulling their hair out trying to figure out which guy was going to show up. But in my mind, I'm like, it doesn't matter which guy shows up because if it's worst-case scenario and the stupid guy shows up, he either is going to get knocked out with the first punch, Perry lands, or that punch is going to wake him up and say, hey, fight, fight smarter, stupid, and, and, right. and, and, and adjust and work from the outside and out volume, which is, just, you know, after a couple close scares is, is, is what he did. But either way, I kind of saw each guy's durability and recoverability since they're still young. I saw that yeah. carrying him through, but I guess I, I guess I wasn't that crazy. But man, neither guy's stock, uh, stock drops, in my opinion. What was your feeling going in and out?
1: This is this is a tough one for me because I'm actually not high on either of these guys, <laughs> so right. so I was so I, I I struggled. I don't even think I made an official pick on this one. Uh, if I did, I, I was probably leaning towards Ponsonby just because I've I'm consistently uh, skeptical of Mike Perry just just because. I, I know he's got power and he's he's a pretty good technical fighter too, but like there's just something about him where I'm like, man, this guy. Like I've seen guys outside the UFC that have this level of skill. Like, and the, I don't I don't mean to take anything away from Perry, but I've seen welterweights fight in other organizations that I think could beat Mike Perry. And so I just I, I but at the same time I don't know how Ponzinibbio keeps winning. It's it's kind of it's kind of mind blowing because uh, he's also really good at poking people in the eyes if you've yeah, noticed. Yeah, yes, this yes. You're gonna have to start taping that dude into some cat paws here or something because Chandy because Mola? he no not yeah, me. He, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's poked his last like three opponents square in the eyes. Uh, but yeah, man. I, 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 full disclosure, I don't think I made a pick on this fight. Uh, I I could have seen it going either way. Uh, it was an entertaining fight. Um, but I I don't. These guys are both guys that I don't think are ever really going to reach top five status. You know, I, I think they'll hover around the ten to fifteen range. They both got good power. They're both pretty technical. But but there's just too many holes in their games defensively uh, that to, for them to ever get to that. Top level, you know, I could be wrong. Prove me wrong. Go out and get way better. It'll be awesome. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I, good fight. Didn't really make a pick. I got you. No, no, no.
0: And yeah, I don't blame you either, by the way. And I I, I I, guess I can see what you're saying about Perry in the sense of like the way I, I, I read on Perry where I, I think he's, he's a matchup dependent guy. Where yeah. I think he can beat a lot of guys that are not just ranked better than him, but that are better fighters than him based yeah. on the matchup, depending on what that matchup is. But at a at an overall level, I, I agree with wh- wh- where he sits. I think he's ironically where I think he's actually underrated is the wrestling and grappling area. Ironically enough, everybody talks about his power. I actually feel that part of his game's underrated. But it's more you know certain decision making and certain technique standing that I think obviously have been the thing holding him back in his two losses. You know, not, not having those adjustments. Yep. But yeah, uh, okay. And then who did you have uh, for uh, off and share?
1: I picked Tashera, man, and and part of that is. Uh... Uh, I, I know both these guys. I've interviewed them both, uh, and they're both super, super nice. But I, I just felt like we we didn't get to see Surkinov, uh we didn't really get to see the real Serkinov when he fought Ozdemir. Uh, really, he he came out, he got clipped behind the ear and put out. So I feel like we hadn't really seen him face a high-level opponent yet. You know, we'd seen him against Krylov, and we'd seen him against uh, Kutilaba, but we hadn't seen him against a, a real legit top-ten guy yet. Ozdemir, I wish that fight would have gone on longer. We could have seen a little more tape on it. Yeah. But I, I just, I knew what I was getting more with Teixeira. I knew that he had the ground game. I knew that he's a really good striker. I knew that he's super tough. So I picked Teixeira, Uh um and i you know i honestly wasn't surprised with the way the fight went down
0: uh you know neither was i neither was i but with a caveat that i'll get to in a second um i too picked to share for the same reasons you mentioned uh a really good job mentioning that because yeah you're right he he wasn't um proven against you know he didn't have that sample size against top competition and his strength uh is in an area that Glover is really underrated in which is his wrestling. Yep. I mean, yep. even in Glover's most recent performance, where he was taken a, a, amongst the beating, getting dropped by uh, Alexander yes. Gustafson. I mean, he hits this transition where like he gets up and re wrestles from being dropped. He re- he like goes to he goes to a, he recovers guard and then goes to a deep half sweep, gets underneath him, comes out the back door, chains it into a double leg, takes him down, passes aside. He does this like chain of like five different mo- sequences. There's very good grappler. Yeah, while yeah. he's hurt, I am like, okay, well, the guy's wrestling is clearly still intact. Um, and that's what I call what I, what I saw essentially being the deciding factor. Now, what I what I was surprised about though is that I, I called for a knockout on the feet because I thought that he was going to shut down Serkinov's grappling efforts. But Serkinov came out swinging on fire against a guy that was a better striker. And again, you just said you guys just got iced by Ozdemir. You think he'd be a little more cautious. Yeah. But to his credit, he was doing well against Glover. And I guess he was. The, the caveat I'm saying maybe you pick this up, Jordan, but. And I, you know, he's been slowing down, and he is at the age where he is older, and he should be slowing down. But Tashera really looked off in the beginning, man. He looked yeah. really slow, and I know he got tagged early. Maybe that was it, and I was just judging his performance after that. But he just did not seem there on the feet.
1: Yeah, his I I think. He's at that age now where I think your uh, the trigger starts to go a little bit, and that's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, luckily, he's got that really, really good wrestling and grappling game to fall back on. Uh, but I mean, we—he's—he's he's thirty-eight now. He's been—he's had a lot of fights, and it just seems like it's a half second slower than it should be, and that's enough to you know th- that's what we started seeing at the end of Liddell's career and the end of a lot of these guys' career where they were just a half second too late. You know, getting to a punch and they were they were getting dropped by it. So Teixeira honestly hasn't looked great on the feet in his last few fights. Against Can- Jared Cannonier, yeah. didn't look very good in that fight. Obviously Gustafson beat the brakes off of him, uh, and then yeah, Serkinoff was was tagging him too. So so I, I, that is a good point. Uh, I, I was a little surprised by by the way Teixeira looked on the feet, but but uh, overall uh, it, his overall game won him that won him that fight. And I I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do with him next because he does he doesn't look the same on the feet. Yeah, I'm hoping
0: they don't give him a, a Jimmy Manoa. I think that'll be a bad matchup. Oh up Jesus,
1: right now. that'd be awful. He, even yeah. though there's a
0: clear path for him there, like he could easily win if he just gets it to the ground, but just the hand yeah. speed equation does not does not bode well. Right,
1: he, he takes one one left hook and he's out. No. now. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. In, this, in the in the
0: brevity of time, I'm just going to uh, break down the prelims into two bunches. I'm going to name off the results of uh, a couple fights here, a couple fights there, and then uh, let you uh, lead off if there's anything you want to touch on for highlighting. Uh, essentially, we'll start with the FS1. Speaking of Cannoneer, he uh, he came up short in a de- uh, decision against uh, Blockwich. Uh, then we had a uh, Julian Marquez with Dana Wick contender series. They actually put together some promo packages for him, which was surprising but refreshing. I, I'm I'm a fan of this this guy. Uh, we'll see how far he goes, but he pays up pays it off by uh, getting a win in a barn burner back uh, back and forth at times. Uh, fun fight, yes, yeah, yeah. very fun fight against uh, Darren Stewart. And, uh, Chad Laprize, um, survives that quick early storm from, Galore Bofondo,
1: and uh, it puts him away. Uh, anything from those three fights that stand out to you, Jordan? Uh, Bof- Bofondo is another guy that I think Joe Rogan's going to lose his mind over. Just because he's a <laughs> giant, super, like you know, super chiseled uh, black guy. But yep. uh, no, you know, honestly, I don't know that dude has a lot of skills. He's just really strong, and uh, at least on the feet, he doesn't seem to be super technical. Just really strong. I mean, wasn't is not he the dude that in his last fight threw the guy on the ground and knocked him out? Yeah, yeah, just threw him on his face and knocked him out like judo. Tossed him.
0: It looked like a glitch. It looked like a glitch in the video game.
1: Yeah, it did. It looked really, really silly. But uh, always happy. Laprice is honestly one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. So happy for him to get a win. Uh, but that's really it on those three.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really can't say much more. Um, Next, we had, uh, you know, to, to finish it off, I guess I should say, uh, we had a uh, Nordine Taleb with uh, a Crushing. I'm sure you'll touch on here in a second. Crushing over, uh, went over uh, Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. Uh, we had one that I, I went in leaning real confident one way, and I'm glad I backed out because I had a feeling that John McDessie may upset. So John McDessie has a really good showing, uh, you know, upping that trend of traditional martial artists who try to reform themselves. Duke Rufus seemed to do really well in that equation. Um, And then we had, of course, DiCherico, another guy next to Teixeira who helped me uh, pay off my night and keep me above even uh, money-wise with his uh, defeat over the now, I guess, retired Bang Bojé, And finally, the lone fight-pass fight. Jordan Mean showed up uh, against Eric Silva in the battle of uh, guys whose countries put a lot on them early and, uh, you know, had a lot of expectations on them, to put nicely.
1: Yep. Yeah, you know what? Out of those three, uh, just real quick, Taleb looks good. I, he, in my opinion, is one of the hardest guys for me to predict on fights. Yeah. I seem to pick his fights wrong almost every time, but happy for him. I liked watching his season of uh, Ultimate Fighter. I know he's a dude that's been around TriStar forever, even you know, longer than some of their big stars. He's been there. He's he's one of those really uh, good glue guys around the gym. Everyone loves him. GSP respects him, guys like that. Um, McDessie is a dude that I've been high on forever. He's obviously kind of at the end of his prime at this point. I really wish he would have dropped to 45 at one point because I think he do he would have done really well there in his prime. He missed a he missed a lot of his career due to injuries. He he was absent for mm-hmm. a good two years maybe two and a half years but i was happy to see him fight i thought that was a dangerous fight against Trujillo yeah uh, especially because mcdessey has been dropped a lot in the last in, in his in his last few fights and Trujillo hits hard but Mcdessey looked good man really quick on his feet uh really solid kicks he was really going to that leg kick really well mm-hmm. uh but happy to see him get a win and then T- de chirico looks like a stud man that kid's gonna be he, he's young he's athletic he's got a good wrestling base he's a obviously a pretty good striker but uh interested to see what 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 they do with him
0: yeah, man, uh, I took Jacirico wrongly, uh, but it was a close fight in his debut over Velichkovich, But it was the, yeah. it was just the fact that you're looking at his regional tape, just to see a guy from Italy or Europe like being able to transition and change levels, athletic at, athletically, like a GSP. Obviously, not as technically right. proficient, but athletically, right. you can see the potential there to build off of. Just blew me away, and now you got him and Marvin Vittori representing not just middleweight, but obviously Italy uh, very well in the new wave. Yep. Yep. Um, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the time here. You know, why don't we just break now, and then that way we can uh, we can go push push all the way through to the top five. So, on that note, I probably have some cool song, maybe topical to something we talked about earlier, maybe not. But either way, we will be back for the top five resumes in MMA. People say I'm the life of the party because
1: I tell a joke or two. loud and hearty, deep inside I'm blue, so take a good look at my face, you'll see my smile looks out of place, if you look closer it's easy to chase the tracks of my teeth.
0: Right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast with the top five resumes in MMA with my man Jordan Killian. All right, Jordan, it is time, baby. You ready? I'm ready, brother. All right. As per usual, we will go from five to one. Uh, we will double dive if we, uh, and, and adjust accordingly. If we come across the same one, it's totally fine. And whatever we don't get to, we will get in ours and yours, more importantly, honorable mentions, which for future notice at the PYN podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and mainly of course, Twitter at Dan Tom MMA, or if you really want to get creative, whether you want a question answered in show or there's not enough characters and you feel like you have to email protect your neck podcast at com. all right uh we'll probably switch up midway through but um i like to get my guest started off especially if it's a guest you know uh like jordan here who knows who knows who knows the protocol who's 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 a savvy host himself and and, and can Let's be honest. Get the ball rolling better than I can. Jordan, what do you got for your number five, my man?
1: Sweet, man. Let me kind of give you my my mindset on where I was coming from on this. Yes, so yes, please. When, it, when I thought of resumes, what it, the way I thought about it was almost like a business. So I'm going in. I'm I'm going to my boss's office, and I'm saying, here are these guys' resumes. You've never seen them. You've never met them, but you're just looking on paper – how good of a candidate these guys are. So these are the five guys that the president of mixed martial arts would hire if he was just looking at resumes. That's kind of how I looked at it. So my number five guy, um, and this is maybe my only sleeper. I think I went kind of chalk on this one. So it, I might, I might get some shit for this. But my number five pick is Gegard Musasi. Nice, nice. So Musasi's got a sneaky awesome resume if you look at it and if you've been following mma deep like dan and i have you know if you go back he's got quality wins starting back in like 2006 where he beat hector lombard back and that's you know that's probably juice to the tits hector lombard uh <laughs> so he beats lombard let me just rattle off some wins real quick dennis kang uh melvin manhoof Jacare, mark hunt Babalu. Uh, he's got wins over Ovasay Pru. He's got wins over Mark Munoz, Dan Henderson. He's got wins over Vitor Belfort, Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman, and Alexander Schlaminko I think that's a pretty damn good resume. A lot of those are later and he's on a pretty good win streak right now. But, uh, my number five, as far as resume goes, just on paper, Gegard Mousasi. Dude,
0: that is an awesome one. I think I remember, was it like 2009 or 2011? I want to say 2009, I think where Musashi was, like, international fighter of the year or breakthrough fighter of the year or something, but really, yeah. like, hardcore is already knew of him from his fights with Hector Lombard and Jacare. And uh, I just remember being so excited about this guy. Like, it was one of those, like, yeah, like, peak fanboy era, Dan Tom, peak fanboy MMA, like, where I was just, like, saw this dude, a couple of his fights, and was like, I'm biggest Musashi fan now. <laughs> like, I was one of those guys who just, like, was immediately sold. And his resume then was one of the selling points, was the thing where I'd boast to friends who didn't know Moose so I'm like, No, this guy has done this, and that was years ago. And to see what he's done since then, um, and his career's still not over. In fact, he's just opened another chapter, really, if we're being honest, where there's there's potential yeah. you, you know, bad showing he just had aside, there's a lot of potential and opportunities Bell is gonna afford him. Um, great fucking pick, man. Great pick.
1: Yeah, just just a real quick too. one of my favorite things about his resume is you can find a stretch there from November of 06 to April of 2010 where he didn't lose. And he had wins over uh, Sokaju, Babalu, Mark Hunt, Jacare, Melvin Manhoof, uh, Cyborg, uh, uh, you know, and Hector Lombard. So that's that's a pretty good little like three and a half year stretch where he was beating some savages and uh, didn't didn't lose.
0: Dude, I I'm ashamed that I, that that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't on my uh, on, on my on my list or or mentions. But yeah, that's one of those obvious ones that slipped by me. So thank you. That's awesome. Number five. Uh, mine. Mine is a. Uh, again, for for mine, you, you, you know, I went a little hipster on this one just because you know old Dan Tom's always kind of got to do that for one. And I figure uh, my savvy co-host and you, the listeners, would come strong with whatever I missed, anyways. So I want a little hipster in the sense of, of just things that impress me, uh, or things that I find kind of unique, maybe more odd-end statistics kind of uh, k- kind of route. So Sweet. I think our lists are going to complement each other well. And again, like this list, like all lists, there's no wrong answers here. The lunatics run the asylum. Uh, my, my number five, this is the one where it's, where it's a weird pick. I, there's very few guys, and I, I may get to some more on my list, but there's very few guys that have such... A well-rounded list in fact there's very few uh, fighters UFC or MMA that could match this man's well-rounded skills and my number five is is Frank Trigg Frank Trigg who we recently saw become one of the first UFC fighters at UFC Fresno to ref a UFC fight which is kind of crazy and when he refs a, when he refs his first championship fight he will be the first UFC championship fighter participant To have refs, a UFC championship fight, but not only was he a fighter and yes, for his Epic battles and championship attempts, though he didn't win a championship with the UFC. Those attempts with Matt Hughes that were Dana White's self-proclaimed favorite fights for many years. Uh, he also fought icon Sengoku strike force, uh, Bama later, later on in his career. Um, he represented this country for wrestling, uh, not even though this is MMA resumes, of course that doesn't technically count, but, of course, he fought in the legendary Pride, but not only did he fight in Pride, and not only did he fight in ref, he's judged MMA fights, not only did he fight ref, judge MMA fights, but he's called fights. In fact, he fought yeah. in Pride, he fought on Dan Tom's favorite card of all time, Pride 33, defeated Misaki by decision, the second fight of the card, goes back, gets his medicals, changes into a suit, comes back out, and finishes calling a legendary card here after fighting. Like, who's done that? Who has done these yeah. things? Nobody. He has all these things, and not just jumping roles, but doing them in the same night. Even same with the judging and refereeing. But by, uh, by the way, he's got some funny stories. If you ever, uh, I don't feel that some of them are, are appropriate to share. Some of his <laughs> first, no. some of his first uh, judging, uh, the way he got some of his first judging fights. But Frank has has been around, man, and uh, you know, obviously he called he, he called fights, I believe, for like Titan. I want to say with Militich or LFA or something yep. like that. Yep. But but he's he is my number five, Joe Jordan. Did he make uh did he hit your radar for this one or
1: that's that's a great pick. I thought about him. I looked at his resume. Um for what the way I was coming at it, he didn't quite fit. But if you want to talk about a wealth of knowledge about anything from fighting to the entertainment aspect to the judging to the to the refing aspect, like that's your guy, man. Holy crap. He's been around the sport for so damn long and he knows everything there is to know about it. So that's a great pick.
0: Yeah, I mean, and even though he came up short, to be able to say you share the ring with guys like St. Pierre and Hughes, and in, in, in multiple Absolutely. eras, that's uh, that's yeah, yeah. Um, again, you know, uh, could easily make an argument for other people over him for sure, but uh, you know, he's not often talked about, and 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 I think maybe his personality from his days. Uh, you know, which he'll admit he wasn't the, the most likable guy. I think I think that still resonates with a lot of people. But I think after yeah. seeing him in UFC Fresno was kind of like one of those sobering moments where you're like, holy crap, look at that. It's Frank Trigg now protecting the fighters and hearing how much passion he has in doing so and kind of hearing this new version of Trigg is, is really impressive, bud. But yeah.
1: Yeah. He's also part of my – one of my favorite MMA stats of all time, which is uh, the, the little triangle of him, Dennis Hallman, and Matt Hughes. Yes. Matt, Hughes beat, Matt Hughes beat Frank Trigg twice. Frank Trigg beat Dennis Hallman twice, and Dennis Hallman beat Matt Hughes
0: twice. 100%. That's a great triangle. I love that. I
1: love that. <laughs> yeah, all right. that's, that's that's the one that goes to if you ever get an MMA math argument, just to show them that triangle.
0: Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's a good trump card. Just a good trivia question for Trivia Night. Um, it is. There you go. All right, number four, Jordan, what do you got?
1: All right, number four. So we filled our entry position. He's now working away at his desk. Moose is over there looking like a <laughs> suave bastard that he is. He drove his sweet car in. Uh, and now we need to fill his uh, – his, his, the assistant manager. The assistant manager position needs to be filled. So we're going to go to our next resume, and our next applicant has got a pretty extensive one as well. He's been fighting for a really long time. Uh, the number four guy on my list is Alistair Overeem. Nice. Now, a lot of people uh, who are fairly new to the sport may, uh, you know, Overeem is easily uh, mocked a little bit as far as his glass chin. And, you know, that that happens when you've got over, you know, I don't even know how many professional fights this dude has with kickboxing and MMA combined. It's got to be close to 70 or 80 fights. But uh, at this point in his career, his chin's a little gone. But if you look at who this guy has fought and who he's beat... It is bizarre, man. Uh, I mean, obviously he's been around for a really long time. He's been fighting since 1999 was his first uh, his first MMA fight. And just just to go over some of his notable wins here on his record, he's got wins. Uh, he holds wins over uh, Vitor Belfort, Igor v- uh You got Sergey Karatanov. He's got, uh, uh, sorry, I should say two wins over Vitor Belfort. He's got wins over Mark Hunt. He's got wins over uh, uh, Verdum twice. He's got wins over Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir, uh, Roy Nelson, Dos Santos, Arlovsky, uh, the, and then obviously recently he had a, a good little run here where he beat Hunt and Verdum again uh, before losing to, to Nganu. But uh, if you're looking at uh, at a, not only a career that's stretched a long time, so he's proven his merit, but the, some of the names on that list, those are guys who have either held titles or fought for titles multiple times over. So I think Overeem, even though at this point in his career, he's he's not the fighter he once was, if you look at his body of work, it is hard to deny that that guy is, has got one of the most impressive resumes in the sport.
0: 100% dude, 100%. I, I'm glad you, I, he didn't make my list, but not because he's not uh, uh, worthy, he's on my honorable mentions because I was hoping you would have him on your list. Um, yeah, he, he's definitely, you know, I think... He, Especially when you get to start you know, this newer age, it's kind of sobering, uh, this you know, Conor McGregor Rousey age, um, when you talk to people about Overeem that don't, don't know his history. And, right. and that's kind of the most surprising thing to me, because that is the most impressive thing about him, you know? And you have to look far and wide, not just at heavyweight, really. I mean, you can go any weight division MMA, and I think pound, you, not just top resume, you want to talk pound for pound resume, you can make an argument for Overeem being number one pound for pound, which you want to talk about yeah. a pound for pound resume. So, a uh, uh, great, great, fantastic pick here. Wow, my my picks are almost looking too hipster in reference. I feel like, uh, I feel like. No, it's good. It's a good balance. It's a good balance. <laughs> uh, well, this next pick, I feel like uh, this is a real deep reference. I feel like George. You know, I'm going to reference George Bush's pre- presidency here in the United States around <laughs> circa 2004, and when our involvement in Afghanistan and Iraq was not very popular, and uh, they were challenging. You know, who, who, who's even supporting this? Who would, What other countries could possibly support your goal? And he said, well, and, you know, he kind of had his big his stuffle, his his stammer, and he saves his big card, and he goes, uh, don't forget about Poland. Like, that <laughs> was his big, that was his ace in the hole, and it was just, it it was just dead. It was just dead. It did not have the effect he intended to by saying that was, you know, his argument no. to the United Nations and the rest of the world. But that is what I feel like after uh, Jordan says Alistair over him, because I am... I'm going to give, but I'm going to give love to somebody important because you want to talk about wide ranging. I, I talked about pound for pound. You want, I mean, even though this is MMA granted, but that that K one stuff over has holds weight with me yeah. and should hold weight with you. But if we are going to talk about just MMA and organizations and, and time, you know, 99 is impressive, but this guy I, I'm bringing up, he goes back to 97 and you'll be hard pressed to find anybody that's fought in as much organizations as him. In fact, He would definitely be on a top five, if not close to number one, if we talked about top five fighters to never win a UFC title. And that's Eve Edwards. Oh, no, Eve's Edwards fought you know since 1997. He was he was fighting in World Panc- Pancreation Championships, West Coast NHB. That's right. They were still calling it No Holds Barred. There wasn't even called yep. MMA. Uh, if you look at the first you know ten fights on Eve's Edwards, then he eventually makes it to Hook and Shoot, which I'm sure people start starting to start to ring some bells. Go look at his fight with Aaron Riley, if you want to yeah. get a a reminiscent. But he fought more guys than that at Hook and Shoot. You know he fought Matt Sarah. Uh, you know, he would go on into the UFC when the UFC was struggling to develop its lightweight division. It tried, and by the way, the UFC tried and failed four times until um, uh, BJ Penn was able to get, give stable yeah. to the division. But they did get really close a lot of times, if not getting it. Obviously, Shirk, and then he had his PED troubles. But but even before that, there was this little fight that kind of made. It's probably one of the oldest pieces on the on the uh, Baba O'Reilly highlight reel, and that's Eves Edwards knocking out Josh Thompson. Um, calling him the uncrowned uh, lightweight king at that time, which meant which meant something, ladies and gentlemen. You know he went and then he went and fought in Pride, Bowdog, yep. uh, you know Jorge Masvidal. Even though he lost that fight, you know f- uh, Joaquin Hansen, Hell, he fought middleweights in his time. If you really go yeah. back far, Nate Marquardt uh, at the Boss Root Invitational. He fought. Yep. A- he fought Nate Marquardt. Um, You know, and, and he, he you know. H-Net, uh lead XC, strike force, literally MFC in Canada. Bell, he had one Bellator fight. Literally every organization you can think of, Eves Edwards has fought in. And now, in, in my opinion, he's one of the better analysts on that Fox desk as far as that Absolutely. Role goes. I love him up there. So, Eves Edwards, this is a homer pick. I don't give a shit. And you have a martial art name after you, Thug Jitsu. Come on now, yep. come on. He's he's on. He's an honorable mention here, or not, not honorable. He's the he's the he's the hipster choice coming strong at number four.
1: I don't even think that's much of a hipster. Tr- like, I don't think you need to even knock yourself on that one. That's a great pick, man. Eva Edwards uh, has an amazing resume. And then uh, not only that, but he, like you mentioned, he's a phenomenal analyst. Like, probably, in my opinion, the best analyst they have on that Fox desk. Yeah. And then uh, not to mention that, but, I mean, he's he's the Kevin Bacon of MMA. He's the guy that you can play six degrees from, and you can get yes. to him – basically through anyone because he's fought uh he's fought as low as lightweight and he's fought as high as he's fought some middleweights and he fought for like 20 years so you can go back and get him fighting guys like yeah Hellboy Hansen and then yes. you get him fighting Jer- Jeremy Stevens yes. so it's like you you span decades and and promotions, so I feel like you can basically do six degrees of separation with Eve Edwards with just about anyone who's had over you know four or five pro MMA fights. Oh, dude, he's use your most valuable card in the deck, and, and absolutely, and not only top five maybe guys to
0: not win a UFC title, but 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 let's be honest, he's top five for, if we're going to do top five weigh-ins or performances of the scale. Oh, phenomenal! And and, and for people that don't know what we're referencing, what uh, Jordan. Uh, what was Ease Edwards' M.O. on the scale to his opponents?
1: Well, he was always on weight, so he'd show up eating cookies or eating chips or doing whatever he wanted to do, man. He he didn't give a fuck. Yeah. He's like, oh, oh, you're cutting weight? It's been tough for you? Oh, cool, I'll make some barbecue chips while I stand on the scale.
0: Yeah, yeah. and it was, it was his first mental battle uh, that he called it. And it was entertaining for us fans, so. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, um, it was awesome. How about we, uh, do, you want, do you want to change gears here? And I'll just double dip for number three to ch- change up a... Uh... Change up Sounds good. all right number three is kind of similar to my number five in the sense that this is another well-rounded individual except when he got chance to be the welterweight champion he 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 accomplished it not only that he was the first welterweight champion and that's right it's pat miletich oh, nice. Pat miletich a a a you know uh a guy who you know martial arts record especially these this day and age even i have, have trouble recognizing a lot of those names but he he did kind of usher in his era of the carlos newtons to the matt hughes and more specifically yeah. to the matt hughes when he would step away and, and one could argue you know was way more uh, not even arguing mean, really he was just way more impactful as a coach he was almost responsible for an era military fighting systems uh you know th- this was the Jackson Wink uh, this was the Jackson Wink before Jackson Wink this was the 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 super camp, the camp named after a guy a guy who came from the experience had multiple experiences like from karate wrestling boxing uh he was you know born to croatian immigrants he was a first generation american but second you know generation from an immigrant family and just immersed himself you know in, in every martial art he could growing up growing up in the midwest Davenport, iowa and um you know, he's a kooky cat, you know, if you listen to him or follow his politics. But, my God, he's one of my my favorite guys to listen to for a commentator. I think he's very underrated in that aspect. Just like Follis would come in and guest teach some of the our amateur uh, team practices, I had the honor of, of having Pat Militich do the same. And there's still lessons that he taught from those uh, that I don't, I, I don't forget and I always incorporate, uh, you know, even in my in this, this phase of martial arts, which is more studying. You know, and uh, he was just such an insightful guy uh, on and off the camera. And now, obviously, you know, a like commentary coach, uh, fighter, legend. Um, I mean, again, it's, you're really hard-pressed to find a guy that accoladed and won, uh, much less has mm-hmm. staying power as a fighter, as a commentator. You know, the sport chews everybody out, uh, non-fighters included, and he's been able to be successful um, in multiple regions. So uh, I, I got a soft spot for Militch, and he makes my number three.
1: It's a good pick, man, and I I think that uh, is he is he in the UFC Hall of Fame? He got a, he got he got put in the Hall of Fame, right? It's kind of it's it, it it should be. He kind of
0: uh, talks about. I think he's kind of warming up to it for a while. He just doesn't think it's going to happen because
1: he's one of those guys. Uh, I believe he had bad bad stuff that blood. would go down behind the scenes. So, yeah, no, I I couldn't remember if they were putting him in or if they were if he people were just talking about how he should be in, but he should be in for sure. Absolutely, yeah, he's but one of those top that, names. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great pick. And honestly, he's when I first got into MMA, uh, and Dan is probably around the same time as you did too. That that team, the Militich Fighting System team, that was like the team. Yeah. And you touched on it a little bit, but like I knew basically everyone who fought out of there. Uh Drew McFedries, uh Jeremy Horn, or not Jeremy Horn, sorry, uh Josh Near, the dentist. Yep, yeah. Uh, you know, all all of those, like even the guys who never really made a huge impact. You know, I, I remember them all because it was like, oh, he's a Militich guy. You know this guy's gonna come out and fucking swing. Like, like they were—they were all like that. Robbie Lawler, Pulver. Uh, Matt Hughes, yeah, Jens Pulver. Like they were all like you—you you remembered all of them. If if they said that they were a Miletich guy, you were like, fuck yeah. And champions, so that's,
0: champions too. I mean, Tim Sylvia was a heavyweight champion. Jens Pulver yeah. was the first uh, lightweight UFC
1: lightweight champion. I mean, yeah, uh, crazy that, that's, accolades. That's, that's- yeah, you're right. I mean, there were other there were other camps, quote unquote, camps, you know, guy like uh, Mark Coleman's Hammer House or whatever, you know, uh, guys. But That was primarily a wrestling gym where they, you know, they put on gloves and punched. But the the Militage camp was absolutely the first uh, super camp, the big camp that everyone knew about that all the top fighters were at. So uh, that's I think that's a great pick, man. Thanks,
0: man. All right. All right. What do you got for your number three?
1: Uh, my number three when, when we brought this topic up was my immediate thought for number one, but then after looking into it, a couple guys jumped the list but so all right we've got our we 've got our desk guy we 've got our assistant manager we've got to hire a manager now, Dan because uh, we 've got a couple of really good resumes and the next one up uh, as far as putting in them you need a guy with experience if you 're going to hire a manager and you need someone who can kind of corral these these crazy overeams and musasis going underneath them so uh, my number three, the guy i 'm going to put in the manager chair is uh Dan hendo Henderson fuck yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. So, uh, Hendo is is probably one of the handful of guys that you can find. I, I don't know any MMA fan who doesn't like slash root for Dan Henderson every time he fights. Uh, he's just one of those guys, he's an old man and he's out there punching the shit out of young guys it's awesome, like you gotta fucking like like it's the same thing when Randy was fighting when he was an old man up there, you know, beating the shit out of these young guys, it's just fucking awesome you have to root for the old guy who's got old man strength and he's just bossing around these, these young guys uh, but I mean, uh, just biases aside if you look at his record whole or his resume, holy shit, Dan Henderson has some insane fucking wins Uh, Big Nog, Babalu Henzo Gracie uh, you've got Marilla Bustamante. You've got uh, Akihiro Gono. You've got obviously a couple guys twice. Vitor Belfort, Wanderlei Silva, Husamur Palhares, Rich Franklin, Michael Bisping. Uh, you got Fejow, Fedor. He beat. He knocked out Fedor in one of the most crazy d- gifts that you'll ever watch. When do you remember watching that live? Yes, Fedor versus Dan Henderson.
0: Holy yes. shit! Everyone,
1: everyone in the oh. room I was watching it with was like, "Why'd they stop it?" He just slipped. I was like, "No, he got a <laughs> fucking burger. He just got punched in the face really hard and got backed out." Uh, but I mean, t- those two wins over Shogun Hua are fucking nuts. Uh, he beat, he knocked out Tim Boach when he was like forty-five and just stomping around like a crazy person. He knocked out Hector Lombard uh, while he could barely, he can't. Dan Henderson can't move his neck. He moves his entire upper body to look left and right. It's it's insane. And then in his last fight, his swan song against in – a, in a bout that he probably shouldn't even have been given, in all honesty, it wasn't – it was not – he jumped about 12 people in the rankings to rematch Michael <laughs> Bisping. He fucking dropped Bisping twice and almost won that fucking fight in one of the most insane things I've ever seen. So that would have been the cap on it. But but as it stands, just going over those names that I just mentioned, uh, you got to put Henderson on the list. Not only is he a future Hall of Famer, he's a guy who fought the best in pride. He fought the best in the UFC. Hell, he even fought the best in strike force. The guy, wherever he went, he was always at the top of the heap, even into his 40s. So uh, Dan Henderson is my number three pick.
0: Man, I'm glad you brought him up. Uh, I'm a double dive with you here. I I had him attached to my number one because I knew that one of them may come up. So my number one is still intact. Okay. Um, but uh, just so, but just to people let people know that he, Dan Henderson is justified under any spot. Um, you know, of course, you know, I've got love for 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 Dan just being you know two division champ and one of my top five favorite fights of all time was his second fight with Vanderlei Silva. Oh shit! And for people that don't know, like aside from Vanderlei Silva's, you know, open weight entries where he got head kicked by a prime Crow Me- cop, which anybody, no one's gonna survive that head kick. Um, except maybe Big Nog, at, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, no one was going to survive that. But aside from that, Wanderlei Silva—I forget. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, Jordan. What was it, like an eight-year undefeated run at middleweight?
1: He's killing everybody. Yeah, He's l- like at everybody. least in
0: the Pride middleweight. He went. Yeah, it was just. I mean, not since uh, not since Vitor losing to Vitor Belfort in that UFC Ultimate <laughs> Brazil or Japan or whatever it was. He went over in Japan and just just went on his killing spree, unstoppable. And Dan Henderson was like handled by him, where like. It felt like Dan Henderson was fighting a cage bamboo, and if you watch their very first fight, it was a very young Vanderlei Silva. And Dan Henderson yeah. was actually doing the jujitsu thing where he was on his back trying to invite him into his guard because that's how I know that's hard for people to imagine Dan Henderson doing that, but that's how terrifying Vanderlei Silva was. Yeah.
1: That and, was like in 2000, I think. Yeah. It was a long time
0: ago. Yeah, a long, long time ago. And then he comes back, and, and you know, in here in Vegas, I think that Pride 33 card just fucking annihilated. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Dude. T- spinning back fist, left hook. And it was with his left
1: hand, by the way. Everyone talks about the 8 yeah, But he brought him with his left hand. That and that was a brutal knockout. I remember, I remember watching that, and uh, I was with like my older brothers and their friends and stuff, and uh, everyone, ev- I, everyone's a Wanderlei Silva fan. And at that point, Dan Henderson, he wasn't unknown, but like Silva was the guy. Yeah, like yeah. Wanderlei Silva is an axe murderer. Like this dude, he he had just come off that that loss to Krokop, but that was a head kick, and Cro was the other big guy. But yeah, I I think it was from like uh, here. I'm looking at his stats right now. But Silva he lost against Tito Ortiz at UFC. 25 in april 2000 he didn't lose again until december 31st 2004 to mark hunt and that was a split decision and uh in that time he won uh, about 14 15 fights and wins over like rampage and sakuraba and uh you know some really 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 good fighters dan henderson and that's it was yeah Kaz nakamura yeah like he was he was the fucking bad motherfucker nobody wanted to fight that guy
0: Dude, yeah, yeah, and needless to say, Dan Henderson uh, be on this list. And another impressive thing, not just the open weight mentality, but like, you know, all these guys trying to be the bigger guy and bullying. And, you know, Dan Tom always has a soft spot for the guys that say, nah, I'm going to go the other way. And then to hear compound that, you hear guys like Chael and stuff and Randy say that they never saw Dan Henderson even on a treadmill, like to work on his cardio ever for these fights. Like he just yeah. kind of walked around the way he was at and just kind of went in there and fought. You're just like, yeah, Jesus that's, Christ.
1: That- Dude, that was true up until he was in his late 40s. Like he, he would – Sam said he would roll into the gym like two hours into pro practice. And not, this is not saying that Dan is not uh, – you know, Dan wasn't a hard worker. Obviously he was. But he he was just – the the mentality and the athleticism of that guy had, he could come in after everyone's already loose, been warming up for two hours, and just toss fucking heavyweights around into his 40s. Jesus. He would get in there with Sokuju, who is giant and a judo black belt, and just maul him. Sam said Sam said he would just toss Sam around and then he'd get out and then sokaju would come in and Henderson would just toss Sokachu around for five minutes. Jesus it's just that, Christ! Just, just forty five years old walking into practice didn't warm up at all. Just took his sweatshirt off and was ready to go. Ah, oh, great, great, great pick, man. Great pick. All, all right. right. Well, my my number two,
0: my friend, my number two. Just like my number three bounced off my number five, as in you know, Pat Meltich was similar to Trigg, but. Yeah, got the had the titles and had the titles and and from the coaching to fighting phases, and you know what my number my number two is similar to my number four, Eves Edwards. You know I love lightweight, so I'm I'm staying with lightweight here to my favorite division, the most stacked yeah. division in MMA historically, in my opinion. But the difference is this this lightweight won titles. He won titles. He won titles in pretty much every organization he was a part of. Yes, I'm going there. Yes. It is Eddie Alvarez. Do you uh, have him on your list by chance, Jordan?
1: I the only reason I didn't put him on my list is cuz I knew you were going to I figured he was going to ah, come up. Wow. So he's on my he's on my honorable mentions,
0: yeah. <laughs> we know each other too well. I mean, yeah. all right. Well, well, for those who uh you know for those who don't know Eddie Alvarez actually comes from a wrestling base even though he he he, he did boxing coming up in Philly um reality fighting championships is where he starts mixed fighting championships gets a title there bodog which we've talked about a little bit with Eves Edwards and Jorge Masvidal guys like guys like uh from there uh, dream is where i first came across eddie alvarez um yep. watching those late night shows like who is this guy fighting hellboy hansen in these fucking barn burners uh calagirri yep. uh Bellator obviously starts picking up steam and really making a name for himself just seeing his speed his uppercut against Aoki and then you know uh, one of my probably top five fights of all time maybe even two as well might even make the cut I dare say Chan Michael Chandler versus Eddie Alvarez one yeah comes back gets the title hard fought decision win to get the title back and then you know you want to talk I think this might be I want to ask John Anik this because I'm willing to bet his favorite fight that he's called so far was probably Rafael Dos Anjos versus Eddie Alvarez being that people who don't know Anik was an early Bellator guy so he got to know he got to call uh, Eddie Alvarez's early fights Um, and then to be there how special that must have been for Anik to be able to call Eddie Alvarez uh, have you know his moment where his whole life dedicated to you know mixed martial arts winning in every organization all around all traveling all around the world Cuba Japan america canada right wherever and it comes to culmination with a championship title where he was a plus something dog and yeah and uh i'm an eddie alvarez fan and i did side with them on that one so i'm i you know i was a little bit biased with that making me feel better than most but uh <laughs> that moment you know i still get emotional when i have to go back and watch that fight for tape study like i'm just i get so happy with eddie alvarez when buffer is announcing him as champion and he, you know, and new, and you, right. see, you see Eddie Alvarez going champion. He's yelling with, yeah. he's yelling in unison with Buffer, Eddie Alvarez, like a little kid. Yeah. You could tell he rehearsed it, yelling and jumping on his bed before his parents tell him to go to yeah. sleep. And he was just having that moment as an adult, as the fucking champion. Yeah. And even though it was a real disappointment against Conor McGregor's performance, I don't care. You can never take away the resume of this man, Eddie Alvarez.
1: Oh, that's a great thing. I've got, th- I guess, three thoughts on that. Number one is that uh, Eddie Alvarez, if you're giving titles to guys who deserve it, who have put in the work and, and they, they've grinded for for everything that they've got, then Alvarez is like my number one guy. Yeah. Like If you're going on who deserves something – Alvarez fought anyone and anywhere. He's fought in every organization. He's beat the shit out of everyone they've got. So I love Eddie Alvarez. Number two, the only thing better than Anik being able to call that was is going to watch Joey Diaz watch that and react and lose his fucking mind. I'm assuming you've seen the video of him and Rogan watching that and calling it. Oh,
0: that's the best. I'm glad you brought that up. A oh, pizza oh. guy from oh, Jersey. A guy, Joe Rogan, from <laughs> fucking New Jersey. You're out there playing touch button. The fucking buck. <laughs> He's a goddamn, goddamn
1: pizza guy. Never heart. <laughs> That's the best
0: one. I think Joey did one recently that I haven't caught up on for some fight, but like that, nothing's gonna beat that RDA Yo, versus Eddie one.
1: He looked like he was having a goddamn heart attack. Like he was having like a a, a religious experience because he it was like he resonated with it. He's like he's he trying with a fucking pizza guy from New Jersey. That's so <laughs> Talk amazing. About Mark, talking about Mark Henry, he's like he's got nothing but heart. Where where you at, McGregor? Where you <laughs> at McGregor? That's so it great. Was fucking. It was fucking oh, great. great. I I love that. But uh and then my last thing is uh Eddie Alvarez obviously amazing. Also, if you wanna go be entertained, go watch his episodes of Bully Beatdown. Yes because he yes. took he took that shit real seriously. He leg kicked was landing the shit some, out of that kid, dude. He leg kicked the fuck out <laughs> yes. of that bully. And I, I <laughs> And I know that that show's scripted. Like, they're all scripted. But, like, they actually had to get in and spar. And Eddie – I don't know if Eddie was bullied as a kid. Like, he grew up in Philly. It's a rough city. Like, he took that shit to heart. Yeah, he Because he did. was throwing <laughs> legit, full-power leg kicks at this kid. And he was like, oh, shit. And it goes down after, like, two of them. And then Eddie just just choked the fuck out of him when they did the, the jiu-jitsu part, too. Yeah, like- so he –
0: you know that body language someone does when they're doing a fight like with like playing around like there was none
1: of that with what Jordan's explaining like he was using all his technique too (laughs) Yeah, just just real quick. To, if anyone doesn't know what this was, Bully Beatdown was a TV show on MTV like probably ten years ago, hosted by Jason Mayhem Miller. The idea of the show was that this uh, this friend who was kind of meek who was being bullied by one of the, somebody he knew would go on the show, and the idea was that the quote unquote bully would have to get in there and run his mouth and then earn it against these real fighters. So they would bring in mixed martial artists, and if the if the bully could last like a round standing up with the mixed martial artists, they would get like for every time they had to tap out or like get dropped or whatever, they would lose two grand. So if they could last the whole 10, the five minutes, they'd get (laughs) $10,000 and the same, and the same thing would go for like on the ground. They'd go five minutes, uh, uh, rolling with them. And if they, every time they got tapped, they lost like a thousand bucks and 90% of these guys that they bring in, they know that they're on a show. They're just toying around like Daniel Cormier was on one time. You know, he just goes in. He just kind of pitter-patters the guy, and, and he still wins wins the the beat-up guy all the money. It's not a big deal. Eddie Alvarez legit goes in. They say go. He runs in, throws a stiff jab, and a really hard leg kick. It drops the kid. And you're like, holy shit, this is <laughs> killing this It's fucking great. Go watch Eddie Alvarez bullet beatdown. You can YouTube
0: it. It's amazing. They also listed him at 5'10", which even me back then was like, hey, he's not 5'10". Nah, that's yeah, not going to like- matter. <laughs>
1: It's like eight point five. That's yeah. fine
0: though. It's not going to matter. <laughs> yeah, all, right, all right, Jordan. you're number 2, sir. I think that's what we're on, right?
1: Yep, yep, we're on number 2. So, uh the the number 1 and the number 2 slots were really tough for me to to differentiate. And what it came down to was I I felt the number 1 guy uh just just I I felt like what I was doing with the number 2 guy was trying to put more context around it instead of just looking resume for resume, which was my intent. You know, I was saying this number 2 guy meant more to me growing up watching this sport. So, I felt I felt comfortable putting this guy at number two. We've got our we've got our desk guy. We've got our assistant manager. We've got our manager. We now need a regional manager. We need the guy to oversee all of this, Dan. So the next best resume we can find is the GOAT welterweight, George St. Pierre. Nice. G- GSP had to show up on the list somewhere. Yes. I mean, you could go on. I I think he fits the list either way you're looking at this. Uh, but just based on my the, the way I'm looking at it, just names that he's beat – Holy shit. Uh, I mean, you've got Matt Hughes a couple times, obviously. BJ Penn a couple times. Sean Shirt, Josh Koscheck, John Fitch, uh, Tiago Alves, Dan Hardy – Koscheck twice, sorry. Jake Shields, Carlos Condit, Nick Diaz, Johnny Hendricks, Michael Bisping. It's insane. The guy hasn't lost since 2007. Uh, you can go. You can watch the the Hendricks fight, and you can pick it apart and say maybe he didn't win. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it's a W on his record. Uh, the guy hasn't lost since he fought Matt Sarah, and he was and he was uh, clipped by by Sarah. And uh, he's only got two losses all over. He's he's twenty six and two. He's I think hands down. You I mean, you can make your arguments for whoever you want, but I think in my book, George Saint Pierre is the goat. Uh, especially coming back and beating Bisping after not fighting for, for two years, uh, it solidified it for my book. So, so George St. Pierre is my number two. Great pick. He has to be on here too. And, and you know, I, you know, I, I,
0: I, even if even if you were, you know, I, I was a bit soured in you know the politics. And it's not a George, by the way. I think George played everything yeah. right in his defense, and and I'm glad that he he uh, vacated when he did. And at the end of the day, it is a win. But even you take out, which is impressive, I think what you said is the most impressive, not the title, like that, you can have your own, you know, weight when it comes to that as far as multivisual champs. What's impressive, what gets overlooked is that he came back from four years, and I picked against him, and... I felt a little more justified picking against him when hearing that his own coaches didn't think he was good. He was, that you know Donohue thought he was going to lose the fight nine times out of ten. So if you were picking against GSP, you weren't wrong. But that makes it that much more impressive. I mean, the fact that even your own coaches are doubting that that you can come back and win and you still win. But even taking that aside, Jordan and forget that ever happened. He still deserves to be on this list. I mean. When you go back, and that's the one thing I will say, when you know, uh, when, when 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 you know you have the George St. Pierre discussion, people will bring up uh, the main talking, not in the main talking, point, but one of the main talking points is, well, he did have a lot of decisions, but it's the resume that makes it defensible because if you go and actually look at the resume and then compare it to other champions, who, if you're having an argument about it, and you go compare it to that. It's it's much more impressive resume because a lot of these guys as well they were also in their primes like the Tiago Alves it wasn't the Tiago yeah. Alves we're seeing now John Fitch it wasn't the John Fitch we're seeing now and I think people lose context of that that these guys Absolutely. weren't just names but they were in their prime when GSP was facing them so and by the way just side note the super hipster but one of my favorite fights to watch is his first fight in the UFC against Carl Parisian if you have Carl Parisian paths, go fire that fight up it's actually it has some really fun moments in it and grappling.
1: That is, yeah. His next fight was really fun too against Jairon. That yes. was those oh. are those are two two of his best fights. And yeah, I mean, I, I think the point you just made is perfect because it's really easy to say, oh, he he beat John Fitch, he beat so and so. Those were the number one contenders. He beat Josh Koscheck twice. You know what? Koscheck was beating everybody. Yeah. Josh Koscheck beat everyone not named George St. Pierre at that point. He was not the, the same thing. Jake, no, Jake Jake Shields. One won, I don't know, 15 fights in a row, 14 yeah. fights in a row, and then GSP just went out and just boxed the shit out of him. And it's like, well, oh, shit. Uh, and, and you say, oh, that's pretty easy to do. No, it wasn't because he beat Dan Henderson. He beat Martin Campman, He beat Mayhem Miller, beat Robbie Lawler. Like he beat motherfuckers getting yeah. in that fight. And then and then GSP just 50-45'd him. Just real easy. Like, it's it's insane. It, it's so easy to say, oh, he was a decision machine. Yeah, he was fighting literally the best fighters in the world every time. He had a stretch where he went, Uh, BJ Penn, Tiago Alves, Dan Hardy, Koscheck, Shields, Condit, Diaz. That's fucking nuts.
0: Dude, that Condit fight too, especially Condit at that time. Like, uh, fighting Condit was equivalent to, you know, those things that the landscapers, uh, the mulchers, they just throw the twigs in there and it just shreds them. Like that was essentially like fighting Condit at that time was jumping into one of those and he did it for five rounds.
1: Yeah, and he said, uh, GSP said that's the hardest he's ever been hit, and that's the most hurt he's been is that, that head kick that, that uh, Condit landed on him. He just recovered really well. He learned how to recover after that uh, the Sarah fight. He knew how to stay calm, which is which is huge. That comes with experience. So that's my number two, man. What's your number one? All right, my number one. Uh, I, I'm capping it off hipster, man, but really you want to talk
0: about length and organizations <laughs> overall in any division and just names of guys uh overall. I think this name is is lost amongst this generation because he finally stopped fighting Jordan. But for people like me and you, whether we were watching in our primes any time in this past decade, or in our fandom going back and research what we missed that was before our time, there was this name that popped up from all divisions and all organizations, and that was Jeremy Horn. Yep. Is he, is he your number one?
1: Uh, he's he's not. He's okay, not. But, right. I, but I but I struggled so hard whether or not to put him in there. But I'm so glad you did. Awesome. Well, I mean, I mean, and, you know,
0: again, for, for people that don't know, you know, as far as years go, this guy, what is it, 20 years? Um, I, I have the notes, but at I'm least, at least. My, my screen lags when I'm having to scroll down, put it that way. That's how far I have to scroll. Uh, 1996, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the names, even to a, a hardcore hipster like me, aren't that noticeable, but he does hit the UFC history time continuum at around UFC 217 at uh, uh, Spry 1998. Uh, 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 Jeremy Horn, maybe in his late 20s at this point, and he faces uh, a man named Sh- Frank Shamrock. He, he loses yep. that fight, you know, uh, gets get some fights in the MFC, uh, early MFC at that time. Comes oh, yeah. Comes back and loses again. It, by the way, Uf- UFC 17.5. He made it. Is, 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 that, is that weird? Ulti- is that Ultimate Brazil card where the one time the UFC did the yeah. point five? If you guys, uh, for a trivia question or to get some free beers with someone who thinks they know um, MMA, you can use that 17.5 mm-hmm. formatted question, win yourself an easy drink there. That was Ultimate Brazil. <laughs> um, yep. But, you know, he actually gave Chuck Liddell his first and only to date submission loss. Um, and of course, yes, people remember, maybe remember the ladder fight where Chuck Liddell actually beat him, um, when Chuck Liddell was a little more established, but I mean, like, this is the, this is the era where you were wearing shoes, by the way, people, you are actually, for those who don't know, you are actually allowed to wear shoes in the octagon, um, I mean, Jeremy Jeremy Horn was uh, doing grappling matches against Matt Hughes. Uh, you, you, you know, big big names even outside of MMA. He was just active. You, you know, later in his career, fight guys like Paul Hara's, fought in Pride, fought Anderson Silva. Everyone he talks about the Anderson fight where he comes out as Michael Jackson. I believe yep. that was for the Jeremy Horn fight. It was. Yeah, uh, it was. Gladiator FC. That wasn't even in Pride, but he Horn fought in Pride, Hook and Shoot. Literally every organization you can think of. It'll take you a while, but I do suggest. You look up the resume of Jeremy Horn.
1: That's a great pick, man. Here's here's my favorite thing to – my favorite Jeremy Horn stat every time somebody uh, brings him up. By the time he fought Randy Couture in October of 2000 – this is October of 2000. MMA was still in his infancy at this point. Jeremy Horn already had 58 fights. Jesus. He had 58 fights by the year 2000 when he fought Randy Couture. Uh, it was like a King of the Rings or King of the Kings or something weird like that. But it, it's nuts. if it, That guy has been around for as long as anybody. You know, He's got fights against Dan Severn. He's got fights against, uh, like I just said, Randy Couture. He's got fights against Chuck Liddell. He's got fights against guys who are still fighting now like Talos Ladies and Jason Guida and Husamar Paul So it's – it's pretty insane the 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 depth of of what he's been around for, and I think that's a great number one pick, man. Because if you're if you're looking at it the way that I think that that you're evaluating making your choices, I don't think you can make another pick besides Jeremy Horn.
0: Yeah, and and just to kind of recap and encapsulate, um, and these are by the way not including amateur off the record shoot matches, right. grappling oh, yeah. matches, but he finished his career. Uh, ninety one wins twenty two losses, five draws, one no contest, and by the way sixty three of those ninety one wins were by submission It's nuts I mean, you it's could combine crazy. the best submission artists in the u f c like you could combine five you could probably combine five of them and not equal sixty three submissions
1: no, yeah, no, and not even close, including like, Damian the, the, Maya,
0: go go include his yeah. submissions in there
1: yeah. You're, you're not going to find any way with that many submissions, let alone – I mean I wonder how many like – just name a submission, like arm triangles. I bet he's got more arm triangles than like anyone ever. Insane. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like rear naked chokes. I bet he's got fucking 22 rear naked chokes or something stupid like that. Like it's nuts. He's got more submission wins than most people will ever have fights. That's crazy.
0: And I got to imagine it's that mental toughness it's, it's you're bizarre. talking about. That's
1: a, it's M- a great M-O. pick, man. Jeremy Horn, if you're going like Mount Rushmore of MMA – Oh, go ahead. You're good, Dan. I'm sorry. Oh no, you're 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 good, brother. No,
0: no, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, Mount Rushmore MMA. You're you're saying?
1: Oh yeah. Sorry, I'm just saying if you're if you're like making a Mount Rushmore of MMA, like not specifically, you're not you don't have to go necessarily the best guys from this, but like the guys who mean the most to the sport and what it's become. I think Jeremy Horn's on that list. It's at least arguable that he should be on that list. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. I'm excited to hear your number one. <laughs> all right, my number one again. I'm just I'm just going on who these guys have beaten. If you've if 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 you're if you're saying if you're trying to show somebody like, hey, uh, I've never watched an MMA fight, but I'm just going by wins and losses. Who like the big names? If you're saying, all right, this name's a big name, this name's a big name. I think the the only logical pick you can make if you're going at it from my my school of thought is John Bones Jones. I I, I think that's got to be the the pick if you're just saying who is this guy beaten let me tell you who this guy's beaten first of all he doesn't have a legitimate loss on his record he's he's one of the few guys that you can say has over 20 fights and doesn't have a legit loss he the the L on his record is due to a really stupid rule <laughs> where where he was beating the shit out of Matt Hamill and he elbowed him at a at a 12 to 6 motion and it's a, something he should he knew he shouldn't have done he shouldn't have done it but he gets the DQ loss other than that We've very rarely even seen him in trouble. Uh, you, you could find a couple instances where you know he was he was uh, in a bad position. The the Vitor Belfort fight comes uh, comes into, into mind right away. Uh, DC had some success against him as well. But but let's just just recap this since he since he started fighting. Uh, here's some UFC wins for him: Brandon Vera, Ryan Bader, Shogun Hua, Rampage Jackson, Lyoto Machida. Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, Chael Sonnen, Alexander Gustafson, Glover Teixeira, Daniel Cormier, Ovin St. Pru, and then Cormier again. Obviously, that last one got overturned because he failed a drug test, but if you're just talking about like top guys, holy shit, and none of, very few of these fights were close. The Gustafson fight was close. Uh, it was a decision, but other than that, I mean, he made quick work of so many of these guys. It's bizarre, and so many of these guys are... I've never, I've never had to, to say more often than I've done with John Jones. If this guy wasn't around, this the, just throw the name in there. This guy would be champ. If John Jones wasn't around, DC would be champ. If John Jones wasn't around, Gustafson could be a champ. If John Jones wasn't around, Glover Teixeira could be a champ. Like, there, are so, yeah. there are so many guys that have the skills and would beat almost anybody else in the division, but Jones was just there, and you just didn't beat him. You couldn't beat the guy. And you could we can argue all day, semantics, you know, it was it was it because of the, the substance he was on or you know, back and forth. At the end of the day, the resume is what it is. The guy, the guy beat everybody they put in front of him. His loss was maybe his most dominant win, where he was he, he was elbow like like I remember I remember watching that fight. And the, obviously the easy joke that comes to your mind is he's hitting him so hard he's going to be able to hear it, like because oh <laughs> Matt Hamill Matt Hamill obviously is, is a is hearing impaired. But like it's 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 insane. He didn't have a close fight until I think the first close fight I can even think of was. Is the Gustafson fight, and that's that's you know, twenty fights into his pro career, it's it's bizarre, uh, the amount of guys he's beaten and how badly he's beaten them, and, and just the list of champs or former champs or future champs that he beat. Uh, my number one is John Jones. Before I comment on the on the Jones one, which I'm glad you put on, but uh speaking
0: of the Matt Hamill thing, in our defense, we also came up in an era where you had to know MMA to know Matt Hamill's death, because if you were a casual viewer. Rogan Rogan would try to have the most in depth post fight interviews with the man without acknowledging that he was deaf. And it would make really. And I grew up with like deaf family members, so I could understand that he was motioning. But I'm like, this guy sounds retarded to anybody who doesn't know. And then to interview him after that John Jones fight, after he just got elbow smashed in the ground,
1: it was so uncomfortable. He's trying to read lips with a concussion. Like, what yes. the fuck, Joe? What are you doing to this guy? Like, this guy just got elbowed in the face 47 times. But the, it shouldn't be a loss because that fight should have been stopped 30 seconds before yeah. that when, when Matt Hamill was mounted eating elbows from a 22-year-old machine Thank named you, John body. Jones. Yeah, that was a Mazagati pro right there, where he waited until Jones did one of these, yes. came down from the top, and he's like, oh, Wait, that's enough. Like, okay, well his skull was already broken open before that. He probably could've stopped it then. or oh, oh, Steve O, but
0: oh, don't forget like the scoop the borderline scoop slam where like, you know, forget your wrestling, Matt Hamill. I'm just gonna throw you on your head yeah. before that yeah. point. Like they, 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 there was a lot of cues for Mazagati to maybe step stop that fight. <laughs>
1: It, it's 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 nuts. <laughs> he yeah, Matt Hamill like that was his big thing. He's like, oh, he's the two things you know about Matt Hamill is that he's deaf and he's a fucking great wrestler. Those yeah. are the things you know about Matt Hamill. Yeah. And when he fought John Jones, he got tossed around like he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And then Joe Rogan tried to interview him like he could hear what he was saying after the fight. So yeah, uh, I, it's it's nuts, man. But I, you could you could go through and point any of these fights, and they're so memorable too, man. You like for me, I. We watch so many fights. I think sometimes it's easy to forget. Like, yeah. it's easy to forget stuff. But with Jones, it's like I I remember all of his fights. Like, me you could name any of these fights and I remember them. I remember them really well because he's always impressing me. Like, it was consistent. Every fight he would do something to be like, holy fucking shit. I, I, like he, I,
0: I don't but, know about you, but I, I think one of his impressive victories to date was um, his victory over Glover Teixeira. Oh yeah! the time that that fight happened, people don't realize that was a dangerous fight. That was a fight where I was like, I think Teixeira can do this. Maybe I was yeah. a little bit of a fanboy at that time, but Teixeira was, was a real dangerous threat. And not only was he dangerous at that time, but it was the way John Jones beat him. And that was one of those pinnacle performances where he started doing that GSP thing where he didn't just strategically beat guys, but he strategically beat him in like a fucked up way where I'm going to use strategy, but I'm going to use like the strategy you wouldn't expect where I'm going to beat you at your own game. And he went into the clinch. He went into the pocket. He went into all these areas. Glover was dangerous and just dismantled
1: him. It, it, Glover hit, was on a 20-fight win streak going yeah. into that fight. He'd won 20 fights in a row. And, and like, every every aspect, like, every breakdown that I saw. Like, at the time, uh, I think really the only people doing pre-fight breakdowns that I knew of were, like, Robin Black. And then, like, any of the stuff that Joe said, you know, before the fight. Like, oh, here's the keys to victory for so-and-so. Right. And I, the only thing that I heard them say was, like... The big thing for Teixeira is to get it within that really tight space, almost in a clinch, work your dirty boxing. That's that's where you're going to have uh, an advantage. Don't let Jones get le- – don't don't let him work at, at range on you. You Don't let him find his range because he's so long. He's so hard. And even if it goes to the ground, Jones, even though he's not as decorated, he's he submits black belts. Like that dude's a freak of nature. So it was like get in close. you got to close the distance, tight space. You might be able to catch him there because you're just such a big, strong guy. Jones, legit, within 30 seconds of the fight, Pushed to share up against the, the the fence and was just right in the clinch with them. Like, oh well, here's here's your game plan, fucking do something about it.
0: Hundred percent, and and again, um, more than deserving because no matter what your thoughts are, are on John Jones, and even if his story does end sadly, uh, which I I think it's safe to say is the state it's currently at, we'll see. Yep. Even if it does end bad, and we never see it. Worst case scenario, in other words. He still deserves to be on this list because, for what Jordan said, like it's just this weird unicorn when you look at MMA's time history continuum, and especially when you really consider the facts of what could have been if this guy wasn't around on how many right. how many narratives he stopped. So you have to acknowledge that. Great, great choice. And
1: and, and I think I think one thing is I think John Jones is going to have a lasting legacy. I think for good and for bad. Yeah. Because I think he's always going to be a cautionary tale for like, hey kids, don't fuck up your life. Look, this guy. Was one of the first MMA athletes that was crossing over. Like Rousey had a little crossover appeal. Obviously, Conor's got some crossover appeal now. But I mean, back in 2011, 2010, John Jones got sponsored by Nike. Like John Jones was on Wheedy boxes. John Jones was on uh, Gatorade commercials. Like that. That didn't happen for MMA guys. But it was this young, athletic, handsome, talented guy, and I think that not only is it going to be a cautionary tale for for sad reasons but i think also here in t- uh, 8 to 12 years you're going to see more guys coming into the sport who are like man i watched john jones and i quit playing basketball i just wanted to do do mma i quit playing football i just wanted to do mma like because he's he's going to bring other kids that would have played other sports into into mma because jones obviously is famously has brothers who play in the nfl so it's just a super athletic family and i think you saw what a really athletic guy who comes to a good coaching system at a young age what that can do and i mean we're just going to keep seeing that you know we're going to have young kids coming up who are super athletes who are getting in the sport early and i think you can you can really thank john jones for a lot of that
0: i like that thought i never really thought of it that way but you're 100 percent right man um and, and I really hope that, that that it does serve as a cautionary tale, a but also as a magnet for for other talent. Um, I guess only time will tell. But I'm going to jump forward to uh, to Twitter right now, and I'm just going to read off some uh, some of uh, some of the contributions. If you want to comment along, Jordan. Yep. All right. So basically, again, like I plugged at the top of the show, at the PyM podcast to contribute uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. But Twitter, uh, Chris Rennie at Rennie MMA. If we're just naming names in their prime and not necessarily wins, then Rampage and Hendo have excellent resumes. I know we covered Hendo, but Rampage is another interesting choice. He's on my. He's on my uh, honorable mentions. Nice, yeah, yeah. Um, and his history—you know, say what you will—he's not done yet. He's in a heavyweight grand prix, even though he's looking certainly on the heavier side of that equation. <laughs> uh, he's putting the heavy in the heavyweight grand prix, but let's we'll see how he does, eh? Um, yep. Leg Kick and Tacos, that's of course uh, at Leg Kick TKO Uh, GSP resumed fighting after fighting after years off and won a title, kind of hearkening what you said, I agree yep, yep Uh, James Lynch, at Lynch on Sports by the way, uh, go listen to James' new podcast, I know, I've I've been behind on listening to all podcasts, I've been bad but uh, James has a new uh, podcast really interesting, uh, even if you're not an MMA industry member, but it kind of focuses around that Shout out to James. James says, I would think Dan Henderson has to be on this list. James, you were right. He ended up on both of our lists, and for good reason. Um, Nomas Esteban, at that Basque guy. Dan Henderson, for sure. He agrees. Robert, at Roberto MMA 12. Robert Whitaker, 2017, is enough to get him top five.
1: I honestly thought about it. I looked at Whitaker and I was like, "Holy shit, he's beating some names, man. Give it, give it another year. If he stacks up a couple more, I think he could easily be on this list." Awesome. Well, here's one that was on my honorable mention. Ryan Wagner
0: at Ryan A Wag MMA says Aldo number one by far in my opinion. hey. Yep, yep, yep. He was on my honorable mentions too. Good, good mention there. Uh, Wade Stinson at Wade the Weasel. If Whitaker beats Cockle, that will give him Luke, Yoel, Jokare in a one-year span. Super impressive if he pulls it off. Kind of harkening what we just said. Yep, I agree. And then he also adds, Verdum's resume is so underrated, which I agree. He was on. He almost made my list.
1: He's on my honorable mentions. I sw- actually I had him number four until I swapped him for Overeem right at the last minute.
0: You know, he was my guy who I was really. I was, I, I think I eased down obviously after the Stipe loss, but. I was one before then, kind of championing his resume, and then if he yeah. beat Stipe, I think it would have sealed – that I was agree. painful about the loss. It would have sealed, sealed the deal right there.
1: Yep. Um, but he's got wins over Kane and Fedor. That's – not a lot of guys can say that.
0: Yep. Uh, and then if he asks, do, do, do Sil, Silva and Jones count or do they have asterisks? I think we addressed the Jones one, but we didn't address Anderson Silva. Uh, he's –
1: Go ahead. Uh, I was, He's on my honorable mention. I struggled whether or not to put him in there. But, you know, when I did a deep dive and looked at the guys he's beaten, I don't think his resume is as strong as some of the other guys we talked about. I mean, his if you look at his performances, they were just as strong, if not stronger. But as far as, like, who he beat, I don't think it's as strong as some of the guys we mentioned.
0: I agree. I agree with that 100%. Um, my man uh, – uh, listener of the show there uh, at MMA two four seven feed says Demetrius Johnson and the fact that he, he's the best and only flyweight champ in the UFC. But let's also see who his dance partners wear. Uh, uh, let's see who his dance partners uh, you know where they are now. Um, it's not his fault that he's miles ahead when it comes to techniques and his execution. That is true. It isn't his fault. And I think nope. his, his, his resume is worthy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can only beat who they put in front of you.
0: 100%. Uh, and then David Klonsky, of course, who you know at, Klons- at, yeah, let's see, what is at Klonsky MMA there. Uh, champs, de- uh, champs defeated. Uh, what does he say?
1: David Klonsky's the best. Shout yeah. out, David.
0: I'm not sure what he tries me. He says, Champs defeated BJ Penn, Rich Franklin, Tito Ortiz, Randy Couture, Shogun Hua, Rashad Evans, Dan Henderson, Gegard Musasi. Who is he talking about? Is that a trivia question, David? Is that a trivia question
1: for me and Jordan? I, yeah, I don't know. You yeah, because I don't know it, what
0: it, it. Yeah, I don't know. Boy. Uh, 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 T- uh, Leoto Machida? Yeah, Leoto Machida.
1: Wh- what were the names? Because I, I, Machida's on my my honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah. BJ Penn, Rich Franklin, Tito Ortiz, yep. Randy. Okay, Fitzroy. yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, there it yeah, is. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's Machida. Yeah, uh, that's Machida. And Stefan Bonner in his second pro fight.
0: Holy shit, yeah. That's true. Jungle fights, baby. Bloodied him Junk- up.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was gross. He, like, threw him off the ropes and then kicked him in the face. Yeah. It was <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was like a massive amount of damage for a round one fight. Like I also thought it was yeah. a three round fight because I saw the end. I'm like, oh, this only happened in one round, which is crazy that's... considering Machita's <laughs> fighting style.
1: I know it's it's nuts. And actually, that's like one of the fights I go back to when I'm like, man, I'm glad they don't fight in rings anymore because like Machita was smart about it. He like. Pushed him into the ropes and then like when he's bouncing back, he like knees him in the face. It's like, oh Jesus Christ, that just tripled the damage. Uh, I got I got one more that didn't get mentioned please, there for my own mention. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Chris Weidman. I think you can put Chris Weidman up there, even nice. though he's got some losses recently. I mean, he's got the Anderson Silva wins. He's got he beat damian Maya, Mark Munoz. Uh, he's got wins over uh, Kelvin Gastelum. Obviously, he's got wins. Uh, over. Uh, I'm not looking at his record right now, but but Weidman was a guy that I thought about and I looked it up and I he met he. Met Honorable mentions.
0: Awesome! No, that's perfect timing. Uh, and the last list, we're gonna go. We're gonna jump to Facebook to the MMA Junkie Combat Chat. Um, all right, Daniel Hower. Even though Hendo hasn't beaten everybody on his list, I think he really fought all the big names. His weight, which are uh, in the weight range, which was incredible. Yep, we agree. Uh, Muna Bear, Muna says, I think Randy is up there for fighting the best guys in the UFC at heavyweight and light heavyweight. I, I wanted to make room for Randy on the list. I didn't, but he's on my honorable mention. What about you?
1: Yeah, uh, I I thought about it. Ran I I figured he would be on your list somewhere. So <laughs> I, didn't pick him up, but yeah, that's not a bad pick at all.
0: Uh, he, Moody Bear also adds that based on longevity, amount of Royd users he's fought, this thing's resume ain't too bad. That's a total fair point. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Oklahoma Knowles, my man, he says he's got a list here. He has GSP, John Jones, Daniel Cormier, which I'm glad he he uh, <laughs> mentions because without John Jones. I, he's a champ. I, he he also has just as impressive as far as not losing any rounds. I mean, he might have, you mm-hmm. know, he might have lost as many rounds as Jones did, or, or near maybe down one or two, obviously because of the the, the defeat to, to Jones, the first one. But Cormier worthy, undefeated heavyweight. Uh, okay. He also has Jose Aldo and Max Holloway. He says he's getting there. Yep. he's definitely getting there. Uh, he says I would love to put a heavyweight on there. Probably Verdum. We agree that that he's worthy of note just can't because of how up and down the division is. That is very hard about heavyweight. I mean, there's all those holes you can poke in everybody right there.
1: That's why I don't bet on heavyweight fights. Outside Francis Ngannou, he's becoming a little bit more of a safe bet. But, uh, yeah, man, heavyweight's hit too damn hard for me to put money on. Oh, my God. Don't say Ngannou too loud. Rogan might hear you You and get excited. Uh, (laughs) Peak athlete performance. My God.
0: Uh, Kate Trombley, last one here. GSP and Jones. My you-could-make-a-case candidates would be Machida and Hendo, both fought at veritable who's-whos in multiple divisions when it meant something to fight those opponents. Yes, I channeled my inner Dana White with that phrase.
1: <laughs> nice, <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, you know what? I, I had to put my fanboy hat aside and not put Machida on here because I felt like it would be too cliche.
0: Yep, yep. Wow, I think that covers everything on my honorable mentions list except for one uh, really random, but George Patino, man. If you don't oh, know who geez. that guy is, go look up that guy's. Go look up that guy's resume, man. He's still fighting today, by the way. Like he still <laughs> ends up in my tape study for fighters of today. And this guy, um, you want to talk about, you know, Pat Miletich and his early, you can barely recognize names in his resume. Well, one of the names you can recognize in the '90s, Pat Miletich fought George Patino, or maybe yep. early 2000s, I believe. But yeah, it's he. This dude's been around. He's fought literally
1: everybody like through five weight classes.
0: Uh, Brazilian. Yeah,
1: he's. He's a guy that I don't know if he's got his own Wikipedia page, but you'll find his name on everyone else's Wikipedia page for sure. Yeah,
0: literally, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about it, man. I don't got any more mentions or anything on that. Are you, 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 uh, are you ready to put this topic to bed, sir?
1: Yeah, man. That that went basically over everybody that I had even thought about. It was good. It was it was fun. It was a good list. Dude, th- this
0: was uh, this was awesome, man. Uh, before we get out of here, I guess I I, I just want to thank you again for coming on. These are these are some of the most fun podcasts, honestly. Uh, always enjoy any time you can come on,
1: Jordan. So thanks for for sharing your time and and uh, and insights. Absolutely, man. Anytime. time. I I told myself I was like, maybe we'll get through this one kind of quick, and then we wind <laughs> no. up talking for two hours. It's just what happens <laughs> when we hang out. It's just what happens. But no, man, it's it's an absolute pleasure, and uh, any time, literally any time. Well, until the next time uh, you come on, um, do you want to
0: plug again, uh, rerun where they can find you, the podcast and all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, man, check out the Pound for Pound podcast. It's myself and Smiling Sam Alvey. He's a, he's a trip. He's a weirdo. And uh, I'm actually about to talk to him tomorrow about the the new Star Wars film, The the, the Last Jedi. So I'm excited to get his opinion on it because he's a giant Star Wars head. So if you guys are Star Wars fans or you like Super Smash Brothers or you like MMA, the, those are like Sam's three favorite things besides his family, obviously. But uh, So come listen to that. Pound for pound podcast. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, through iTunes, wherever you find your listen to your podcast. But it's a good time, man.
0: By the way, Sam's reviews on movies or things that just are non MMA in general are
1: some of my favorite parts of your guys' show. <laughs> he's a goofball. It's it's really funny. Like you know, it's the 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 funniest thing that I ever hear people talk about is like I hate how fake Sam is. It's like he's not. That's legitimately how he—he's always smiling, and he's fucking corny and goofy as shit, and yeah. I love him. He's—he's the—he's—he's he's insane. He's like a Wisconsin farm kid. He's so weird, and he's so happy, and he's so likable. And you just listen to the podcast. He's—he's he's hilarious.
0: Yeah, even having him on pre and post show through here in that limited uh, phrase, you, you don't—he really doesn't miss a beat. He's—he doesn't really turn no. on. He's just kind of that way. So. Uh, I agree, He's also 100%.
1: got some of the most random facts about his life that you'll ever like. He was a he was a uh, background actor for Oceans Thirteen. So, you guys wanted to know that. I didn't know that.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bookmark this because I, I haven't seen Star Wars yet. But again, I, I actually okay. I enjoy Sam reviewing random shit like that. It's part of my yeah. favorite part of your show. So, I'm gonna go back and listen to his review. I'm curious to hear that. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks again for coming on. Of course, y'all can follow the podcast listening at the PyN Podcast uh, at Dan Tom and May. And uh, thanks again again five-star ratings and reviews on itunes are definitely very helpful while you're there go ahead and give the pound for pound podcast a nice five-star ratings and review and if you're not comfortable with that well then just subscribe and listen to them then you'll feel comfortable doing that Uh, of course mixed martial analyst.com the host of this year program this year's show Uh, we have on it click throughs for those of you trying to uh, better your life optimize their performance something dan tom really needs to do now that he has a little bit of time with his eoc schedule get my ass back into the gym and it is Christmas time, so the uh, Amazon click-through has been very useful uh, f- for Dan Tom and this year' podcast. And it's very appreciative for those of you clicking through, buying all these random little items that I'm seeing. And uh, before the year is out, I will be giving a, a-, a run-through on the list of Christmas items ordered, so you can hear your contributions to this here podcast. Again, doesn't cost you anything, and it kicks a little bit back to us, and uh, you can be uh, in the giving spirit as well. Everybody wins. So, until uh, next time, uh, enjoy this little break. Uh, enjoy the holidays, whatever you celebrate or don't. Tell everybody you love them because they deserve it. But of course, always, protect your neck.